Hi, everybody. This is Ken Wilson. Once upon a time, I broadcast blues hockey. I always listen to Let's Go Blues Radio. It's everything you'll want as a blues fan. Oh, baby. Hey, blues fans. I like to consider myself a friend of the show. This is TSN analyst and former blues netminder Jamie McLennan. And here's Kurt, Bill, and Jeff on Let's Go Blues Radio. Have you lost weight only to gain it right back after returning to your routine? Did your diet work for someone else but not you? Rockin' That ID Life helps you understand your genetic makeup to find a lifestyle that fits your needs. Together, you and RockinThatIDLife.com can focus on your health and meet your goals today. That's RockinThatIDLife.com. Centerize Brewery is a proud sponsor of Let's Go Blues Radio. Visit CenterizeBrewery.com today to schedule a no-contact curbside pickup or make a reservation in their awesome tap room. That's Center Ice Brewery located in Midtown St. Louis. Let's go Blues! Get ready to hear some noise tonight! You're just seconds away from Let's Go Blues Radio! Let's have a Donnie Brook! Eric Brewer was so bad. <laughs> Are we like Oglethorpe? Are we suspended? I I reciprocated the dickness. Selfish, selfish hockey. hockey. That's right. Selfish hockey. What did I tell you about stick tape? You don't need it! No doubt about it, eh? You're listening to Kurt, Bill, and Jeff on Let's Go Blues Radio, the original St. Louis Blues hockey fan podcast. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Season 10, Episode 21 of Let's Go Blues Radio, where the often-imitated, never-duplicated, truth-telling, anti-book-banning podcast with the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast. It's topical in the news nowadays. Uh, yeah, and we are asking that Spotify remove us. <laughs> right. We, we, we are not. Please yeah, keep get, us Spotify. Get us off of Joe Rogan's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> as long as Joe Rogan's there, get us off Spotify. Nope, nope. No, we're, we're kidding. Please, please, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I think if you say his name two more times, we're going to get the um, the, the uh, universal um, COVID information disclosure that they put on all their podcasts. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say he was like Beetlejuice and he was just going to appear on the show. <laughs> that might be too. Special thanks to rockin'thatidealife.com and centerizebrewery.com for probably sponsoring the shoe please check them out uh it's tuesday february 1st happy february everybody we're broadcasting live on youtube and facebook this is franchise episode number 339 all the time to interact with the show we're on twitter facebook youtube and instagram just do a search for the show and you will find us i'm kurt price and my co-hosts tonight for the big show are jeff fonder and bill day and on the agenda tonight we do have a special guest uh, goalie guru Kevin Woodley, who uh, covers the Vancouver Canucks for NHL.com and also contributes to In Goal Magazine. We'll talk to him about uh, the Huso and Bennington uh, brouhaha news in St. Louis, uh, how they're playing, and, and hopefully set the record straight on uh, all this goaltending controversy that some say uh, this team has. Uh, we'll also get into the impressive rematch against the Calgary Flames, as well as the disappointing showing versus the shorthanded Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we'll talk about the Avalanche and their 19 game home winning streak uh, that they've maybe having tonight tied with Arizona right now midway through 1-1 um, and uh, the NHL skills competitions on Friday NHL weekends coming up all that and more 
on this edition of Let's Go Blues Radio. Hello, fellas. How are you doing this evening? The snowy, or icy, sleety, raining? It's not no. icy yet. Right, right now, it's just, it's, it's it's just rain. rain. It's cold rain. It's just wet yeah. and cold rain. It's, yeah, it it's was... wet and not ice, just like uh, the uh, how St. Peter's Recplex ice is. <laughs> is that it's right? Just wet, not actual ice. Yeah. So it's a pool. It's like skating on a lake. <laughs> it's a wading pool. <laughs> it's a puddle. It's a big puddle. That's right. Pretty much. Uh, no, it's uh, everything's fine with us over here. Uh, just watched the Predators beat the Canucks. Our guest is uh, going to be coming on here soon. He covers the Canucks for NHL.com. So I'm sure he's disappointed by that loss. He's probably getting ready to write something up about it. But we are we're disappointed, disappointed in that because loss. we wanted. Yes, we wanted to see right. Nashville lose. I got it. Fucking Predators. They just uh, keep on hanging on like Kim Wilde, baby. I... <laughs> How many uh, times do you think there's been a Kim Wilde reference on a I, Blues podcast? I, I don't. I'm going to say never. Ever. Once. Yeah. Including this one? And it just happened. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll try to work it in later, too. Uh, the uh, official beers of episode number 339. You can follow each of us on the Untapped app. My handle is at CPrice12. Jeff's is JPonder94. And Bill's is BillyBlueNote33. So, uh, Jeff, you are you are up. I am. As I pour the last bit from the can into my glass. Uh, tonight, I'm drinking a Kurt Price favorite. Mm. One of my favorites as well. Peanut butter, chocolate, milk stout, absence of light. From our friends over at Four Hands Brewery, and just a, I, the only thing I like the can a lot, the the can art. My yep. only issue is that it reminds me of the shit no, monster don't say, don't from. Don't say that. No, see, I, just, right? I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, from uh, uh, what's that movie? Uh, uh, Dogma. 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 Yeah, one of one of my favorite movies. I couldn't remember the title. Yeah, that's my only issue with it. Other than that, it's a great can art. <clears throat> yeah, that's. That that is an apt comparison, <laughs> but it does not taste like that. This right. is a very fine right. tasting beer, dark and just. It tastes like I'm eating a peanut butter cup. It's great. Uh, Bill, yeah. what was it? What was it? Was it called Ganthan? Something like that? Was that the know. name of the monster? I is, it, it's like what the it sh- called. Isn't it like the shit version of Pizza the Hut, more or less? It's just the and the pretty way much. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so. <laughs> My my beer of the show. Um, since we're we're talking about can art, that's it's very apropos. I love this can art, and I I, I love this beer. So I am going with. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to go with that thirteenth ride of the thirteenth. I was wondering if you were going to go with that last week or this week because I saw that you got that last yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, yeah I've I've had it in the beer fridge um, and been waiting. I. You know, the one thing I will say is this is the first time I've seen a non Mick Ultra in a slim 12 ounce can. I, I thought when I picked it up, <laughs> they were 16 ounce cans, but um, hey, it's it's great. Uh, great beer. Um, rye, uh, like a rye instead of a barley wine, oh, and in a rye whiskey barrels. Uh, mine for tonight is one I've had before the O'Fallon Naughty Pretzel Beer from O'Fallon Brewery in O'Fallon, Missouri. 
Uh, quite good. Like I said before, I'm a big, big fan of the pretzel beers. I like them. And uh, Naughty Beer is a good one. That's one that you, you go to the grocery store and you can't not see that one. Yeah. For one, it just kind of stands out with the color scheme of the, the, mm-hmm. the six-pack uh, pack. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's one of those that it's very popular right now. And it's a great beer. So if you haven't and, had it, definitely and, try it. Yeah, and who doesn't like, I mean, are there, are there any people that do not like a really good soft pretzel? I mean. Oh, I don't want to meet that person. I I, I mean, I'm like, most people probably do, right? Either salt or no salt. Weirdos. Okay? Some don't right, like salt. Weirdos and jerks. I yeah. Think that's, yes. That's... <laughs> weirdos and people that are wrong. I think that needs right. to be the first question to our uh, guest today. Mm-hmm. Do you do you like good soft pretzel? And if not, are you a weirdo or a jerk? That should be a question. Yeah, right. Yeah, and the uh, for the YouTube uh, listeners in the live chat. Uh, oh yeah. Who's got the best? Uh, who's got the best soft pretzel? Well, there's some good ones. There, there's there's some. I mean, you I mean, you can go on ballpark pretzel. You can go uh, Auntie Anne's pretzel. You can go. Um, Wetzel's Gus's, pretzels. Gus's, Wetzel's, yeah, Wetzel's, Wetzel's pretzels are pretty yeah. good. Yeah, Gus's. Um, super pretzel. You know. So uh, so we've got a couple, uh, let's see, uh, a couple people who commented on, well, one guy commented on the beers uh, in honor of the late meatloaf. Uh, my beer tonight is Bat Out of Hell from Native Dog, and that's our friend Matt Harris down in Arkansas. Um, my, Arkansas. One of my favorite comments, one of my favorite comments <laughs> already because I, I'm twisting it, uh, Jason Miller, our friend, crappy goalie, says the crappy goalie is here to learn from a real goalie. He's talking Bill. about you, Bill. Yeah, yeah, he's talking about Bill. <laughs> right. So, so we went through this exercise the other day to figure out how long was it that I actually played in a competitive ice hockey league hmm. as a goalie, and the yeah. Even I was surprised to realize that it was 20 years ago. It was in 2002. Wow. It was the last time I played in a competitive ice hockey league. So, Yikes. yeah. But, hey, um, I am super excited to uh, have Kevin on tonight. I, I am a very recent subscriber to Ingle Magazine Premium. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I'm the... The bug's biting at me. Uh, the itch is definitely there. I am, <laughs> Every, I say, you've been I saying am, that for a couple weeks. Right. I am longer I'm than seriously, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's serious at this point. Like this, <laughs> get this your weekend. Ass some pads. He's not messing around anymore. Go go <laughs> get weekend, some pads. And right, and this... you can come join my team anytime and uh, just take some warm up shots. We'd love to have a backup well, goalie sit on the bench. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it starts. <laughs> yeah, just, it starts. Everything has to get replaced. So it starts this weekend with skates. My my goal this weekend, assuming that you know uh, Missouri still has you know enough plow drivers to clear the roads over on that side of the river, um, for me to get to a hockey shop, um, I am uh, gonna buy some skates. So you want you want to know something? This is just a quick one. little quick little thing about you mentioned snow plows in Missouri. When I lived in Texas in 2013, do you know how many snow plows they had in the entire state? The uh, two and one of them was on a riding mower that uh, somebody had an attachment in the front, right? One official. Yes, one <laughs> official one. And it and it right. was in Houston. It was in Houston. So if right, Dallas needed it, which was way more it. yeah, way more north, they had to drive it up from Houston up to Dallas. It seems it's like crazy. 
it seems like a waste of money for for places to would have a snowplow. You probably they'd sit for fifteen years and probably out of commission yeah. by the time they need it. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Mm. Texas is a whole other. It's a whole other country down there, folks. It's like a whole other state. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, our, uh, our special guest, uh, this evening is, uh, in studio with us right now, uh, Kevin Woodley, uh, who we mentioned earlier, uh, who, uh, covers the Canucks for NHL.com after, uh, 10 years with, uh, AP USA Today and uh, Hockey News, uh, he's, uh, still stopping pucks for fun and picking, uh, NHL goalie brains for Ingle Magazine, according to his Twitter profile. So I'm just reading directly from that. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, my pleasure. So hold on. How long has it been uh, since you've been in goal, Bill? Uh, in a competitive ice hockey league, 20 years. It's <laughs> it's crazy. So we've played played a lot of roller hockey. Yeah, we played a lot of roller oh. hockey. A lot easier in the St. Louis area to get uh, roller time than uh, ice time. Um, but yeah, it's 20 years. Okay, so new skates. Just be careful you don't end up needing a new groin after a week. So lots <laughs> of stretching point. after that long in absence. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially with all of the new, uh, you know, basically, it, it, to me, it looks like it's all player skates just with heavier, uh, you know, shielding on the outside now for the most part. You know, the, the uh, last yeah, time I bought yeah, a I mean, pair of goalie skates, they were, you know, the the low profile solid cowl around it, and weighed about twenty pounds. Yeah, the cowling is gone. Uh, we decided that was useless once goaltenders stopped making actual skate saves and started using their pads as uh, as nature intended. And so goalies started removing the cowling and sort of actually Henrik Lundqvist was one of the first guys to. Even when he had a cowling on his skate, he would have his trainer cut the inside edge of the cowling off because, of course, as you're trying to hold, you know, like a low wide stance, um, sort of the cowling was the first thing that would hit the ice and sort of cause you to slip out. And so if we remove the cowling, it allows us to hold our edges from a wider stance. It allows us to grab an edge for a butterfly recovery from a lower wider stance. And goalies figured it out pretty quick by just sort of tinkering and cutting off that old piece of useless white plastic and soon enough as you said you can't go into a store now and find the cowling it's all cowling with skates they don't look like goalie skates anymore so the position is evolving constantly and that's why i love it so much there's always something new to talk about yeah it's it's entirely different every piece of equipment that uh, is available now is entirely different from the last time i seriously shopped for it and it's it's amazing Bill I like to imagine that the last time that, and I know this is not correct, but the last time that you were in goal on ice, you didn't wear a helmet. Um, <laughs> you had the old Cooper pads, right? I mean, that, that's what I like the, to picture. Was yeah. it the yeah. horse hair? Or was it the pads that just soaked up all the water? Yeah. Yep. Um, Leather. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very uh, before they they started using, um, before um, Brian Heaton started using, you know, styrofoam and deer hair. Deer right, hair. that was that was the big advancement, you know, in my my younger days, <laughs> um, going from the the leather water soakers to uh, to that. So, my my you know, last and... pair of pads, f for reference, were Helite twos. 
So <laughs> it's funny, our first ever In Goal Radio podcast was two people. Our first two guests were Roberto Luongo, driving in the car with me um, in Vancouver. Turned a few heads that day as we pulled up at stop signs, and people looked over, and there's Roberto with a microphone in his hand. <laughs> the other guest was Sonia DiBiase, who from Reebok and CCM, who actually worked with Brian Heaton, and she told us stories about how they used to go to automotive shows. And that's where sort of the birth of the new materials, like they would go and look at the type of materials that automotive manufacturers were using to make car seats and the new foam. So instead of stuffing pads, the concept of, hey, we can make it out of blocks of foam and cut weight and get rid of all that sort of um, moisture absorption. Uh, she was a big part of that along with Brian Heaton. So that's, uh, that's funny, small world. I'm glad we've got Bill here to talk about, um, you know, how long it's been since he played and how old he is because I didn't know you guys were going to have my uh, my Twitter handle picture up there, which is feels like it's 15 years old. I, I, I would have tried to shave the gray beard so people wouldn't know just how false advertising that thing is. But um, I'm yeah. glad we've got Bill there to make the rest of us feel younger today. Well, when you joined, I thought for a second that um, is it is uh, okay. This is Kevin's My dad. dad was is, on. When's Kevin's gonna join? Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Woodley Senior. Is on. I'm, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm joking. This, this is the so oldest guy on the show. <laughs> so we've we've ragged on Bill enough. I want to rag one more thing. Mm -hmm. Not really rag, but on Kurt. Uh, uh, everyone on this panel except Kurt has won a game in goal. Correct. Because <laughs> I have won one game in goal. Would you play one game in goal? I, I've I've played two games in goal. Uh, first one I got lit up like thirteen to two. The second one my team allowed I think it was fourteen shots. I gave up seven goals, but we won eight to seven. So well, see, I uh, am officially a winning goaltender the way okay. I see it. Well, I, very, well, I was very grand fear stat line of you. See, I, <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> I'm a I'm a forward, so yeah, I, I never, aside from uh, jumping in and practice or something for a few minutes. No, I, I was not a, I was not a goalie. I uh, my my claim to fame is scoring a couple goals against Purdue in college. That was, and beating them in overtime. So that was, that that's that's me. So I, I not goal right. things not my thing. You got to be, you got to right. have a screw loose to be a goalie in my mind. So, right, I agree. And you, had, <laughs> you had a goalie I'm in a the defenseman. family. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah my brother was a goalie, goalie. My cousin was a goalie. Bill's a goalie. We we were goalie uh, rich uh, in my childhood. So, yeah, I was. I'm a defense, and we just literally had a goalie get hurt in the first game, and we said we had a double header, and I said we're not forfeiting, guys. I'll put on the pads. So they stopped the game. Let me put the pads on and. Like I said, first game, we got oh. destroyed. Second game, we ended up winning. So, uh, like I said, I, I retired after that. I said, I'm never playing goal again because I have w officially – I'm one and one. I'll take that. I'd, I'd jump in there, and I'd, I'd get lit up, you know, just to not forfeit. But uh, you know, I wouldn't yep. be any good, uh, obviously. But I, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't say no if, if I had to play. My first, the first shot on me, I made a spectacular <clears throat> Patrick Waugh, Statue of Liberty type snap, and I'm like – Oh yeah, and I like rubbed it in the other team's face, Which and then I gave do. up five straight goals. So, yeah, <laughs> it's very Patrick Waugh versus the Red Wings, like, huh? Yes, very much. Showing off in the uh, so let's uh, let's actually get into why we brought in our our guest here, Kevin. First of all, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, for those of you on the video, you are seeing a treat. Uh, quite the goalie display you got behind us there. You wanna you wanna talk about what's behind you there? Yeah, no, just this is my, I'd love to say that this is 
like I wanted to have the good Zoom backdrop and have a good office. The truth is when we moved in to do our new house, uh, this is probably three years ago now, I got my first sort of odd designated office space at home. Um, and it was made pretty clear to me, despite the fact that the basement is kind of a bit of a, I mean, I got two daughters, so you can't really have a quote unquote man cave, but you know, there's a pool table, there's a big TV, but none of my memorabilia and none of my sort of mementos from covering hockey were allowed. So they're all stuffed in here. If I were to do a, a 360 of the room, there's a lot more of it. And so, but those are the sort of, um, you know, the last uh, three NHL Olympic gold medal winning goaltenders and um, guys that, uh, especially Kerry and Roberto, I've had the opportunity to be on the ice with and, and do some work with and, um, you know, build the relationship with. So, yeah, just makes for a nice background and they're personalized. And so they, they're something special and they mean something special to me. I didn't think that we were entering when I built this room, a, a world where Zoom backgrounds would matter as much as they have in the last <laughs> couple of years, but it worked out okay. And then the Dryden, the Dryden is actually a, a painting that my daughter did for me as a Christmas present. I just haven't had a chance to hang it yet. Hmm. Wow, that's fantastic. Wow. That's that's from your daughter. That is awesome. Wow. Yeah, she got all the talent. None of it from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we we mostly brought young, so we want to talk uh, we want to talk blues goaltending. But before we get into that, and we'll give you time afterwards to tell people how they can follow what you write, read what you write, everything. But I want to go ahead and start off off the top. NHL.com, you write for them. You do some uh, some Canucks work for them. But what I'm impressed by, and as Bill had mentioned already, um, in Goal Magazine, uh, it's a subscription-based, on, it's online, not print anymore, correct? Yeah, in GoalMag.com, um, just the way the world works. Uh, printing is a recipe to, you know, lose not just money but your house. So we went online. It also <laughs> makes it a lot easier. Um, you know, we do a lot of video work. We have a lot of, uh, we do video reviews with NHL goalies once a week where they sort of go over plays with us and walk us through the nuances of their save selections. It's been one of our most popular features in a generation where we hear a lot about goalies, young goalies becoming quote unquote goalie school goalies, you know, because everything is structured in front of them and they know where the next pass is going and they become really efficient at moving around in these drills. But, you know, sometimes lose the ability to read the game. We, we give them a glimpse into just how quickly and how much information an NHL goalies process in real time when they're reading a play. So um, going online just definitely was a move that allowed us to do drill video uh, when we're on the ice with guys and then, you know, to film a drill with guys and then have them walk us through the keys to it. NHL goalie coach, just, just so much easier than trying to translate that into print would have been impossible. So it made a ton of sense. And we started that two years ago. We've been around 10 years. We started the premium product two years ago, and I will confidently say there's nothing else like it for goaltenders in the world. Yeah, as, as a yeah, as a very recent subscriber, I was I was kind of blown away just by by how how much of an inside look you guys offer. Um, you know, from from you know the people that make this their craft, and it's it's the content is amazing. Um, I barely scratched the surface and like, I'm constantly wanting to load up something new. Um, definitely the, I listened to you, the, um, the pre-Christmas podcast, uh, with Jamie store and the Christmas gift ideas one, uh, the, the Jamie store stories. Oh my God. That those are just, <laughs> just amazing to hear his, his backstory and his dad's backstory. I mean, 
to get that close to the NHL and be told, sorry, we can't, you don't have a pedigree, so we can't, we can't put you out there because Harold Ballard would fire us both, right? That That's crazy. Um, now I know why you want to get back in that bill. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it, I, I, as yeah. soon as you hear that story, you think like, dude, like I could make the NHL in my forties. He did. Back <laughs> I could do it. I, I could at least, I could at least be the third string e-bug for the blues. Right. That's what everybody wants. Now. <laughs> we want to be the e-bug. Right. That's uh, readily yeah, let's, available let's, uh, during let's not, COVID. You went to, you, you, uh, you went to school out here. It's the same school as, um, what was it Mike McKenna went to school? Same same as you, CBC, right? No, McKenna went to Parkway South. Um, oh, that's we right. haven't we haven't produced uh, uh, an NHL caliber goalie. We've uh, Joey Vitale was our first. Uh, oh, that's right. Okay, so. so goalie first goalie in the NHL could be Bill Day. We'll see. Stay tuned. <laughs> Definitely not going to happen. But, uh, uh, if Kevin, it is, we the world is ending. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Kevin, we want to talk to you mostly, and your name has popped up in a lot of, uh, you know, all of us had, had knew, known of you before, but your name started popping up in Blues feeds all over the place because of something that you had tweeted uh, after the Blues got shellacked by uh, the Flames a couple weeks, was that last week, 7-1, to one, um, and you had kind of, you know, gone off on, on Twitter and said, you know, listen, let's look at all these advanced stats, and before we get into exactly what you said, for the novice advanced stats people, uh, there's a couple things that you reference, and I think it's important to point out what those mean, what they are, why they're important. Uh, a couple ones you mentioned were um, your, uh, I'm sorry, try to read it on the fly here, adjusted save percentage and uh, save, save percentage differential. Uh, what exactly do those mean uh, if you were telling a, a four-year-old about what those mean? <laughs> Well, I, you don't need to be a goalie to understand that shot quality is a real thing. That uh, a guy, you know, banging away from the edge of the crease when you're set and square and in position and just basically slapping it into coverage with no net to shoot at um, is a lot different than a guy taking a shot from that same spot off a, you know, backdoor lateral, you know, pass through a seam um, where the goalie has to travel cross crease. Like there's your simplest example. Um, there are a lot of different factors that go into shot quality. And so um, I'm pretty blessed to have access to ClearSight Analytics, which is a company started by Stephen Balaket, former Rangers goaltender, um, who, you know, based on that premise, like he really wanted to find, like measure that shot quality uh, in a way that nobody else really was, like just try and dig deep, much deeper than the public numbers. I think the public numbers, they're based off NHL play-by-play. -play. They do a great job of adding context. But to truly sort of define shot quality, I think we need more context, especially in small samples. And so that's what they do. They've got 34 different points of data for every shot, not just where the shot's taken from, but what preceded it. Um, they're the only one that I believe, even amongst the private ones, that actually account for screens and traffic. And not just was he screened or wasn't he, but like there's five different types of screens, layered screens, defensive screens, own screens, offensive screens, and each one of them. So each type of shot with all these different factors basically gets a value. And so it's so hard to compare one goaltender to another around the league. It's almost apples to oranges sometimes because their environment, their defensive environment, the shot quality they face is so different. And so we come up with numbers to try and normalize that. An adjusted save percentage is basically 
We create an expected save percentage based on the quality of shots they face, and the adjusted is how much above or below they are, they are that. So it sort of provides, helps provide a baseline. The other one is goals saved above expected, which does the same thing, but it just kind of counts how many goals a goalie is saving his team, again, based on what he's stopping and the quality of it. And, but it's a bit more of a cumulative stat, right? So that's where it's hard to sort of measure Billy Huso because he hasn't had as much time in the net. Although, to be honest with you, he's been so damn good that he has rocketed up the goal of save charts to the point where the last I checked, and excuse me, I'll poke my head down to the computer because I've got it all up, like he's fourth in the NHL. And he's seen half the shots that the other guys have. Like, that's how good he's been. Um, but to me, it's more the numbers I looked at that night were save percentage because that's, you know, again, it's not cumulative. It sort of normalizes more of uh, almost like on a per shot basis, the average. And none of this was, and the irony is I was going to tweet that before the Flames game. Got busy with some Canucks news um, that morning. Uh, they hired uh, Emily Castonguay as uh, their first, uh, first female assistant general manager here in Vancouver. Obviously a big story and one that I covered for NHL.com that kept me busy into the night. Cause I sort of, when I, cause don't forget St. Louis was here the night before. And I tweeted out that, you know, Billy was starting third straight and you know, the amount of sort of, it wasn't all vitriol, but the reaction to it surprised me um, in the level of criticism of Bennington. And so I dug into the numbers. I wanted to have a look. I'm like, like, wow, like this really looks like Billy's taking over this job. Let's take a look at how this, you know, because and the, the biggest thing, guys, is it's easy for me to tell your audience that you can't compare the chances the New York Rangers give up or the chances, let's pick a great defensive team. The Rangers are a bad example. But, well, let's pick the Rangers as the bad defensive team. You can't compare the chances a goalie faces in New York with, say, the chances a goalie's facing in, I'm trying to think of, a you know, the obvious example, like Colorado or, um, well, Boston. Toronto. Toronto's become an elite defensive team. Teams like that. Like, you just can't compare them. But what most people forget is sometimes in the short sample of the one year, you can't compare goalies on the same team. I've seen massive swings in expected save percentage. In other words, how tough is your environment within the same team? And there are a lot of different factors that can go into that. So anyway, is that enough of a primer? Do you think I've explained, like, what the numbers mean? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's perfect. That's uh, that's what Have we're I looking lost for. I mean, everybody. I... No, no, that's no. fantastic. No, no, no. You haven't lost okay. the host. I think that's all that matters, right? <laughs> okay. So, so part two is let's take a look at the Blues, right? And and so now that we've explained sort of what we're trying to look for, let's take a look at St. Louis. And when I looked into it, and like I said, I did it the night before, and I was planning on tweeting it going into the Calgary game. Unfortunately, and it looks like. I'm just being a giant Jordan Bennington defender because I do it after a game where he's pulled after two periods. By the time I actually get back to it and tweet it, you know, that level of disdain for him has already picked up and it kind of looks like I'm just pulling out the goalie union card and defending the goalie. But the reality is heading into that night, um, Jordan's adjusted save percentage was 2.1% above expected, which put him in a conversation. I'd actually have to pull up the tweet because the numbers have changed a little bit. Actually, based on that night, it took a dip. Um, but like it was 11th or 12th in the league at, and it was at ahead the time of the- you, sorry, I'd sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I, I got the tweet in front of me here at the time. You said he was a 2.1, um, save percentage differential plus 2.1, uh, which is seventh in the NHL fraction below Tristan Jari and ahead of names like 
Frederick Anderson, Jacob Markstrom, Thatcher Demko, and Jack Campbell, several of which you get fez in a buzz. So that's, that, that's and that was kind of my point. Continue. Yeah, and that, that was kind of the point, right? Like, listen, Billy Huso is on an all-world heater right now. When I look at adjusted save percentage right now in the National Hockey League, number one with a bullet. Like, even after the night against Winnipeg, which dropped it, you know, a good chunk, almost a full percent, because, again, small sample size, it'll only take a couple of nights like that for it to sort of come back down to earth because it hasn't been that many games. But he's number one in the National Hockey League. So none of this is a criticism of Billy Huso. He's earned what he's gotten. He's earned the playing time. It was more to point out that as these people were ripping on Jordan Bennington, like he was seventh in the league. He was ahead of guys who were being touted as Vesna candidates. Like it, the, the sort of the, the negativity towards him just didn't make a lot of sense to me as an outsider. And as a guy who knows probably a handful of teams around the National Hockey League that would like to have Jordan Bennington stopping pucks for them. So that was the first point. And then the second point was, you know, again, people would look at that and say, well, the numbers don't add up because what we see on NHL.com, you know, or the public stats don't match that. Well, so let's take a look at environment. Bennington's expected save percentage at the time was 871. It actually went down to 870 after the Calgary game. Um, that's the second lowest in the National Hockey League. So in other words, his environment was the second toughest in the NHL for any single goalie. Only, only Eunice Corpusala was playing behind a tougher environment. So, again, he was outperforming at a level that is similar to guys who are in the Vezina discussion. The difference is their baseline was so much higher than his that their raw numbers look great. His baseline was so low that his raw numbers look, you know, below average and everybody's criticizing him. Because of the quality they're giving up, it, it, it just it should have been seen as much better. Now, most people don't have access to those stats. It's tough. To, nobody can pick that out by the eye test. Like, I don't know what the narrative is around the Blues there in terms of defensively, but the numbers say it's not great. They give up a ton. And yet, Billy Huso's adjust, his expected was at the time 12 points higher. So still the 10th toughest environment in the NHL. Not great, but a 12-point difference, right? So again, he's been that much better in a slightly easier but still tough environment. Bennington's just – and that can be the difference between Billy getting Seattle and Vancouver. And Seattle is a pop-gun offense. Vancouver, when they came through here, was missing – uh, I think it was Horvat, Garland, and JT Miller, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. yes. And then Bennington yes. gets the, you know, if I can say it, the, the, the shit sandwich started on the second end of the back-to-back -back that is frankly normally reserved for your backup. And he wasn't great, but the Calgary Flames were the first team in that game all season to generate all season, every game in the NHL by these numbers. They were the first ones to top seven expected goals in a game. They actually generated seven expected goals. Now, only five were on Jordan. Billy was in for the other two expected, and he didn't give them up. So he was good in the third period. But still, just to me, a sign of a team that whether it was a schedule loss, you know, playing three and four on the road and wanting to get home, um, you know, a night where I don't think you can pin it on goaltending, even though Jordan's number still took a hit that night. But those are not normally the starts that you give or are reserved for your quote-unquote number one goaltender. So I just think a lot of the noise around Jordan Bennington, and again, there's probably a lot of people that, you know, have seen the uh, the, the, the starting the fights, and they're like, what is, why is he on here defending Jordan Bennington? But the numbers just say that a lot of the noise and negativity around him, and, it, and especially as I was hearing once they came through town, once St. Louis came through town, and I see these reactions to my tweets, uh, it, just, it just felt disproportionate. And so, yeah, maybe it was a little bit defending a, a goal union 
member of the goalie union, but I just, the numbers made it pretty clear. Like he is not a guy you should be trying to run out of town as much as you should still be celebrating how good Billy Huso has been. This is, this uh, is interesting. Bill. I was going to show quick. This is, this is interesting and refreshing uh, because this is generally uh, what we've kind of been uh, talking about with folks on social media interacting with and whatnot the, the you know the the burn Bennington at the stake people uh, more or less uh, and it's with but we're saying without the without the advanced stats and the and the uh, uh, the stuff that you're the bringing Steven to the Bell table here stats. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's it's so interesting to see those stats kind of kind of back up uh, what the eye test was for a lot of us that were kind of like, well, I, I don't think Bennington has been just by watching the games and seeing the situations he's put in. Um, I, I understand why the goals are going in, and it's a every goal is a case by case basis on whether or not the goal they should or shouldn't have had it, what's happening around him, all that stuff plays in. But it, it, it's 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 just refreshing just to see uh, advanced stats kind of fall in line with, okay, well, I w I'm not stupid for thinking what I was thinking about what was going on. Well, and, and to back up what you're saying, Bill, maybe he's in your goalie union that you keep mentioning. Kurt and I are not. And we have been, all three of us have been saying, you know, Billy's been great. Play Billy, play the hot hand. That makes perfect sense. We want to win games. So let's see who's so in as much as possible. But don't pin anything on Bennington. He he was, the, like you're saying, he was the savior for the Blues uh, early in the season. And I'm sure if you look back at last season's numbers, even in the playoffs, he was the only guy showing up some nights. So, you know, okay. to get this kind of validation. And, and what you're saying is, you know, what we have been saying on this show, too, is the eye test is what's most important. Advanced stats are very important, but it's also important to watch the games and and say, okay, where are the advanced stats agreeing with what I'm seeing and where are they disagreeing with what I'm seeing? And this was something that was still kind of disagreeing with the stats that are available to us. But to hear this from you, it sounds like these are lining up pretty well with the eye test. Yeah, and that's good to hear because let me tell you, the people in my Twitter feed weren't, weren't subscribing to your eye test. I don't no. know if he's just a, Isn't that crazy? He's a guy that just – sort of generate yeah. um, polarizing, I guess would be the word, but yeah. I was really surprised. And to be honest with you, we had uh, one of our analytics writers and, and he's a goalie, Paul Campbell, do an article on Jordan sort of the mm -hmm. year after the cup. Cause we heard a lot of sort of sophomore slump talk. We heard a lot of, you know, uh, one cup wonder type stuff. And when we dug into the numbers, it was the same thing. Like, listen, the narrative during that cup run uh, was that they were this great defensive team and it just didn't hold water anymore. And Jordan was a big part of bailing them out. And so I think, you know, even the perception that he took a dip, like, frankly, he's been really good the whole time. Maybe not second half of that run in that season good, but really, really good. Like, I consistently saw him in the top 10. We were talking about Olympics. You see the names on the wall behind me. I mean, outside of Carey being ready for puck drop if the NHL had gone, Bennington was next on my list to represent Canada at the Olympics and all the numbers, not just this year, but the, for the past couple of years, backed that up. Like he was the best statistical option. I'm not sure team Canada was going to live with the, you want to go stuff, but um, <laughs> he was the best option. And you know, the other thing too, guys, like to look at the numbers defensively, um, there's a metric that ClearSight has, you know, and it's a pretty simple 
you know, it's, it's a pretty common metric, but again, the way they measure it differs from a lot of the public numbers. It's, it's basically high danger, even strength, five on five chances for and against. And for the past couple of years, the against part has been a massive predictor of playoff success. Like it has been, I don't mean just like who's going to win a cup. I mean, series by series, the team that's better in that almost always wins it. It takes an exceptional goaltending performance to sort of turn that on its ear or historically bad goaltending on the other end. And like to the point where, you know, you could, you could make a good investment on these numbers, you know, with the books. Um, St. Louis right now is 30th in the National Hockey League in expected goals against them in that five-on-five metric. So, again, like, you know, we look at Bennington's numbers and we look at, you know, expected save percentage being so low in the league, and you're like, okay, well, how does the team defend? Well, it kind of matches, like, as it should, and you would expect that. But, like, it's right there. Um, when they – the year that they won uh, the Cup oh, – and of course, we're just at the point where that's cut off from my access to it. I remember they were like fourth in the league. Like they were, that, this was a metric where they were one of the dominant teams. Um, you know, the year that Tampa, I think that was the same year Tampa was knocked out in the first round. They were 20th. The year they won their first cup, they were second. Like this is a metric that it's very hard to ignore come playoff time, uh, regardless of your goaltending, because it, it essentially it's tough to sort of count on goaltending to hold up to that level when the defending is that poor and it doesn't really bode well right now. And I'm, you know, maybe Billy Huso on a heater or Jordan Binnington at the top of his game is enough to overcome it. Um, but when I look at how they're defending as a team, uh, it, it's, it's a little foreboding in terms of, you know, what we're looking at for playoff success this year or likely playoff success this year, regardless of who's in that. Uh, yeah, comment I... in the YouTube chat, Jason Miller, who uh, we, we called because it's his Twitter name, Crappy Goalie. He is a goalie, and he apparently is crappy. Uh, actually, I can speak to that. He is. Uh, he says, I can, <laughs> I can listen relate. to this. All- yeah, he says, I can listen to this all day, no joke. And to you, Jason, I say, I think it's time for you to subscribe to In Goal Magazine and check out their <laughs> podcast. There you go. Podcast is free. We'll give you a taste of what's on the In Goal Mag website. Podcast is free, though. And we have, I think we're 155 episodes in. Had Pecorine the other day. Had J.S. Shiger this week, who just dove into some mm. of the Francois Lair stories and the equipment stories. And you know that J.S. Shiger, speaking of playoff overtime, so I'm going to give away a part of the episode. Bill will appreciate this because he knows how goalies, we get a reputation for maybe not being that tough. Um, <laughs> Jiggy, because of his hydration issues, so you get into a playoff series, he knew right away in the first overtime. He wasn't waiting for multiple overtimes. As soon as it got past the third period, he had an IV put in. So for every period after, he would have an IV. But if, if you're worried about multiple overtimes, as you know, getting an IV in is not always easy. So they left the catheter in. He would leave the catheter in and play overtime periods with that thing stuck into his arm. I don't even know if that's medically wise, but he talked about the team doctor putting, putting his line in, like getting his line set up. And he said, you know, like, it's usually nurses that should put your line in because doctors aren't necessarily great at it. And I think he probably didn't give the doctor enough credit because when you're as dehydrated as he would have been, it's hard to find a, it's hard to find a line, right? He's talking about blood everywhere. They're trying to find oh. a line. And so just leave the catheter in. Comes back for the second OT. Because remember there's that five, was it five OT? Is it Dallas two humidity? You know, like come back in, plug the IV in. So oh we, my God. we do get into the minutia, but we always have, we also have a little fun with some great stories from especially from the guys that are done playing. Uh, wow. Yeah. I can't Cannot even imagine for that. that is... <laughs> wow. God. Yeah. 
So, I'll, yeah. I, so Bill, when you get back into it, uh, and you know, if, if you playoffs and if they have five overtimes, I'll I'll, right. I'll bring an IV and uh, all right, I'll be on the call. Yeah. At least Dr. some Pedialyte, yeah, just right inject a Pedialyte <laughs> yeah, right yeah. into your veins. Yeah, just do that. Oh, Beer league, you just Coors Light, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, um, man, man. So, uh, so something that we always hear about goaltenders is is having tape on a goalie. Um, a lot of times we, you know, we, we, we hear like with Bennington's playoff run, especially in 2019, and now we're kind of hearing it about Huso. Well, the other teams don't have tape on him. So that's why he's playing so well. Is that a real thing? Cause we always say like, you've got scouts, you've got people that can go and see, but, but I want to get your take on this. Is that something that's real? Not having tape on people? I think it can be to a certain extent. Like, I think that, um, you know, I think of like Matt Murray's playoff run for sure in the postseason, like kind of the first time came out of nowhere. And I think there was a scramble there to sort of get video and get a good pre-scout built. Um, but the goalie coaches these days, like it's the goalie coach that breaks down the other goalie, right? They do the work. Um, I'm going to suggest that at this point, they probably have a pretty good, you know, um, book for lack of a better term. They probably have a pretty good, pre-scout built on Billy who so to me guys where that becomes more relevant is in the postseason in the playoffs and maybe last year was a weird year because everybody played the same team so much but I honestly like it's one of 82 you know where it's Vancouver tonight and Edmonton tomorrow and Calgary the next night like I don't there are some guys for sure that study it I think you know, when you get into a shootout, they've probably paid attention to that pre-scout. Maybe on the power play, there are certain tendencies. They'll run a setup designed specifically to target something in a goaltender. But for the most part, those things don't start to really have an effect until we get into the playoffs. And that's where I think an entire team is paying attention because they know that if your goalie coach finds something that can be the difference, you know, where to shoot, how to try and generate offense that can be the difference between scoring and not scoring guys are paying attention. I always, I always point back to Washington's cup run, uh, especially the cup final, um, you know, tap the computer here. Clearside analytics played a role in that cup run because their goalie coach, Scott Murray had access to it. And they sort of leaned on him, not to dictate how Washington attacked, but to have a voice in the type of offense they were trying to create in general, because what, the one thing about measuring how goalies perform is it also shows you what works on goalies. Like it shows you what's going to have success, not just on individual goalies, but how goals are scored in the NHL. And to me, Pittsburgh did it before them and Washington sort of followed suit using these numbers. Like it was all about laterals, right? It's all about creating laterals. And so as long as Marc-Andre Fleury with Vegas was going to come out to the edge of his crease and hold, and that's what they loved about him in Vegas. That's what Dave Pryor loved, that ability to, to not retreat, to not give in in the face of that attack. Well, if you can make that pass off a two-on-one, as fast as Flurry is, with the finishing level Washington had, they knew they were going to score, right? Even knowing that was the plan and watching those games, you'd have Ovechkin coming down the wing on a two-on-one, loading up, and you're just like, oh, man, he's shooting that, he's shooting that, and he passed out of it. And even I was like, oh, my God, how do you pass out of that? Well, you pass out of it because the shot itself, even for Ovechkin, is a 10% scoring chance on a two-on-one. Make that lateral pass happen to the other side for a quick release, and it goes up to over 40%, right? So to me, if you can find those types of, you know, layers, that's a general goal, like sort of around the league number, 10% to around 40%. If you make that pass, it applied specifically to Flurry. Um, I think it's in the postseason when you can find patterns 
on the video that match what the numbers say, you can maybe start to exploit things. Um, even in Bennington's Cup run uh, for St. Louis, I thought it became pretty clear as the playoffs went on, a lot of stuff sort of down below the goal lines and pop passes into the slot. I, I thought St. Louis was kind of bad at giving them up. There were some really good looks, low high plays. As a, as a means of offense, to me, are underutilized because as a goaltender, what it forces you to do as soon as it goes behind the goal line, I have to turn my head, look under the net, find that puck. I'm no longer looking at where all the attacking players are, right? Like I've had to turn – and the defensemen have to do the same. Like it's a great way to generate offense. But there was elements of the way Jordan was playing it. And I think you saw even in the cup final, there were times where it looked like he was even trying to change how he was playing it. Like his, the way he was using his post and going in and out – I don't think it was a weakness, but for a guy that was playing so well, it was one of the few areas where teams were finding goals. And I thought as the playoffs went on, teams started to look for it more and more, not just because it was really resulting in goals on Jordan, but because the Blues were sort of giving up that, that real prime layer behind the defense on those types of pass outs. And so to me, that's where a free scout matters. Um, I'm pretty sure that if playoffs started tomorrow, every whoever the goalie coach is for the team that the Blues would be playing would be able to build a pretty good bit book sorry on Billy Huso I just don't think I don't know if it would make that much of a difference like his numbers when I look at all the different categories um like I've got his you know like even plays that are hard to create broken plays create a ton of offense in the National Hockey League Huso's like plus five in goals you know his his goal differential on broken plays like which you know speaks to his ability to hold edges and not get committed and get not get stuck down but like that's that's the type of play like there's a, it's hard to pre-scout a guy who's playing that well there's not a lot there's not like every weakness here is relative there's not a negative number on the board for him everything is plus or real plus so that said goalie coaches are going to watch video and find that stuff there's more than enough footage out there already i just think for the second half of the season the chances of nashville on a wednesday or you know carolina coming in on a friday and the guys paying that deep level attention to a scouting report probably not going to happen yeah and uh speaking of playoffs uh it was it's was mentioned at the time uh, in 2019 uh jake allen uh backed up bennington in the playoffs uh and it was mentioned and it's been said a lot <laughs> uh seemingly every time they talk about jake allen that uh how he would mimic in practice the the opposing team starting goalie so and play like the opposing team starting goalie for the Blues in practice, so they could get practice shooting on him, his style. Um, is that is that uh, a common thing, or is that is that kind of an overblown thing that they were talking about, or what, what are your thoughts on that? It's not overblown because I'm the one that wrote that story first, so it clearly. Okay, well there you go. Blown. There you go. <laughs> there I, you I, go. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> that was uh, that was that was part of my unmasked column uh, coming into the next year. Um, I, I I mean I don't want to overstate the importance of it, but it is pretty uncommon. Like it wasn't very common. Um, you know, some of the Blues players I talked to for that story, sort of before that, you know, before it sort of got out as a story. Um, you know, kind of mentioned that it definitely it added a different element. It's a one thing to have, you know, something up on a whiteboard with do this or do that. Here's this goalie state percentage on that. Um, I think if I remember correctly in talking to the players, and I think uh, you know, like Braden Shen was really good for that story, you know, thinking back to it, um, it really seemed to resonate with Tuca in the finals because Tuca plays different, right? Like Tuca, 
Tuca's got a lot more flow to his game. Uh, he will literally back his way across the crease. So you think of uh, think of a T-cut, guys. You all play, right? So you think of if you're retreating with a rush, instead of sort of, oh, I'm going to stand up and do it, instead of sort of just turning and pushing into that new lane, like Tuca's a guy who sort of glides backwards and opens up and sets. And so there's a lot more moving parts in Tuca's game. There's some uniqueness in how he moves. And so if your pre-scout says, let's get him moving this way, and you should shoot here. Um, I think to sort of see that as a player, having Jake out in video demonstrating it so the players are like, okay, now I know what you're talking about. Now I see how the way he turns is going to limit his ability to rotate to his right. If I catch him at this moment, yes, he can push back this way anytime, but he can't go that way. Little details like that, I, mean, I don't think I don't, it would be an overstatement to say it made a difference and it was the turning point. But I thought it was, it was obviously a cool story, and I was happy to write it. Um, but it, it definitely didn't hurt, right? And it definitely is unique. I've never heard of that. Like, I've seen, like, clearly there's video. There's a ton of video that goes into a pre-scout, especially by that point in the playoffs. Um, but to have a guy actually go out and be a part of creating that video so that the guys on his team would have that reference point, I, that was pretty cool. And frankly, I've never heard of anything like that. And that was why I thought it was a story. I was also, I've been writing a weekly goalie column for NHL.com. Well, bi-weekly now with the pandemic, but you know, like I'm six years in and, you know, sometimes I run out of ideas. So that I was happy to have had that one when the blues came through town, have somebody tell me that story so I could share. Okay. So when I, when I, when I met, when I asked if it was overblown, I wasn't talking about the, the, your article. I was talking about the amount of talks. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, how much blues media uh, will talk about that to this day still. Um, and I didn't I know. know if, okay. I, I didn't, didn't know, know if that. that was something that was a common thing that uh, every goalie, every backup would do in the playoffs or if this was no. a, a, a pretty unique thing. And that's why I was asking, I was like, is it, was it, are they making a big deal out of this? Does every team do this or not? That's what I was, that's my point. That I, yeah, no, no, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to okay. hurt, but it's more <laughs> like, uh, um, and I didn't take it personally, but it was more, more to my, I guess my point would be, it is very unique. I can't say how much of a difference it made. Certainly I got some quotes that said it did help. Um, okay. And I, I think it speaks to David Alexander as a goaltending coach finding like he's always been an outside the box way as a teacher. Like he doesn't just do what everyone's doing. He's looking for new and innovative ways. Uh, you've probably seen the guys, you know, wearing, you know, different, the, the uh, X tracker on the mask. Like David's a guy who's, who's looking to develop, um, who's looking for new ideas and probably speaks to the strength, speaks to Jake as a person that, you know, captain of this role, he's willing to go out there and mimic other goalies. Um, and, you know, frankly, it speaks to the relationship that those two had that they, you know, that they were, you know, willing to and and I guess eager to try something as different as that. I have seen it one other time, actually. Now, um, 2010 Winter Olympics, covering a Team USA practice. Uh, Tim Thomas with Ron Wilson at center ice, and because his style was so unique, there was no mistaking it. Tim Thomas was imitating Martin Brodeur going into a game against Canada. Um, and for sure they were going to town on some of the unique aspects of Marty and his, you know, at the time pretty much as close as was left to a stand-up style. And there was a back and forth there with some of the players where you could tell, and they wouldn't really talk about it at the time, but I remember watching that practice and knowing damn well what was going on. This was Tim sort of demonstrating some of the unique aspects that they were probably talking about from a pre-scout perspective going into a game against Marty, a game where, you know, 
covered it and remember it well. Like you had guys like Brian Rafalski teeing up, you know, top of the circle, open looks and shooting along the ice. And I don't think that was a coincidence because the one thing about the butterfly is it takes that away. And so Marty was a guy who didn't default to it. And I thought they tried to attack him in unique ways, probably because a lot of those Team USA guys were on the devil. But also I think watching Tim Thomas break it down, there was an element of, of Tim sort of playing a similar type of role in a smaller sample to what Jake was doing for the Blues that year. They won the Cup. So the real question from that is, was that before or after Tim Thomas would scarf down some McDonald's? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know those. I don't know that story. I haven't heard that one. So see, some things are maybe it's just like you know the year must go on when I hear anything like that. But yeah, you know, that was that was a story that I I don't remember who it was, but somebody outed him as uh, since he was the backup that he was going to McDonald's pretty much every day in Olympic Village. <laughs> I don't know what the eating options would have been, you know. I mean, it's like we got great food here in Vancouver, sushi steakhouses, but they were kind of stuck in the village. And man, if you weren't playing, like we, you know, I mean, how many stories do we have of the old Shin show tucked into a stuck into those leather horsehair uh, pads, Bill, back in the day by the backup goalie at, at the forum? So um, yep. I, I don't blame him if he decided to have an extra snack. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. That's what I said, man. If you're back, actually, I think he was third string. I could be wrong on that, but if you're not playing, yeah, live it up. Eat some McDonald's. Go to bed after the game. You know, wake up, get McDonald's again. Who cares? <laughs> That's how I approach beer uh, league. Yeah. I don't know what the problem is. Exactly. <laughs> Me too. Same thing. Yeah. All right. Olympics yep. beer league. So same thing. So. uh one thing about uh, lately that's been kind of the talk in St. Louis, and, and we've all been uh, kind of refuting it, and I know other blues podcasts have said the same thing, uh, and other blues radio shows as well. Uh, the talk is, Billy Huso's playing so great, he's, he's a free agent, trade him now. Trade him now, and just roll. You got Charlie Lindgren in the minors, he can step up, and then other people are on the other side of it saying, well, Jordan Bennington's playing bad, he's got a bad contract, trade him so and 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 our take which i'm guessing you're we'll see if you agree with is you have two good goalies who are ready for a stanley cup run why trade your goaltenders you want both of them to play and whenever one goes down you take the other one put him back in so um is 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 the number one goalie thing kind of a thing of the past are we starting to see it the last couple of years a shift of you need your dual starters to be able to compete in the, the, the Stanley Cup playoff push? Or, you know, or do you think that's still a thing? that You need one guy, and then you don't need anybody else. What's, uh, what's a trend kind of been like in the NHL? Well, I mean, I, I think it's shifting a little bit, but, you know, you can't say definitively that we've gone away from, you know, a number one goaltender scenario when the guy who's won the last two cups is like the biggest workhorse in the national hockey league. Just, but, but the problem is fast. He's a freak, right? Like he's a freak physically. Mm-hmm. Um, right. He does things on the ice that are just so off the charts. Good. It leaves you shaking your head, right? Like he's the best goalie in the world with Igor Shisterkin making a push this year. But like, so, so I guess Vassy and, and like every minute, like every minute of both cup runs, like he never wore down. He never got tired. Poor Curtis McElhenney retired with two Stanley cup rings, but he never got a, never touched the net in the playoffs. Right. So, um, so it would be wrong to say definitively we are going to tandem because even when you get to the playoffs, you're usually picking one. 
I love the concept. If we ever get a team that really believes in a back and forth, like they, they really see no difference between one guy and the other, I'm still sort of waiting for a team to just go back and forth to alternate in the postseason. Um, I it hasn't happened since I think '89. The Albany Devils under Robbie Fatorik did it with Corey Schwab and might have been Mike Dunham went back and forth every single game for the entire playoffs and won a Calder Cup. That's the last time we sort of thought be successful. I thought we might see it last year with Lehner and Marc-Andre Fleury. They finished the season, both of them playing exceptionally well. Just like if you're the number one, you want to play every night. But what's the next best thing? If you want your rhythm and your timing, it's every second night. And both guys stay engaged. I still think that at some level that was part of the plan for the Vegas Golden Knights last season. The plan went out the window when Marc-Andre Fleury absolutely stood on his head in game one against Minnesota. Um, the first four games of that series, because Vegas was one of these teams that was really low in those metrics I talked about. Um, five on five, they were not as good as Minnesota. Marc-Andre Fleury in the first four games, in four games, had 10 goals saved above expected in that series. Like He single-handedly got them a 3-1 lead in that series. And I think because of that, they stayed loyal to him a little longer than they had planned to because I think the intent was back and forth. So very long-winded. I don't think – most teams are still going to pick a guy, right? And maybe you do end up going back and forth, but usually it's going to be because you need to change things up as opposed to – a planned actual rotation. That's so rare. But to get there, you're going to need both. Like, we may not have the NHL going to the Olympics. And February, I don't know how many games the Blues missed, so my apologies. I don't know how many they got to cram in this three-week break. They may be one of the teams that has, a, a you know, very few games and a big rep. Um, but it doesn't yeah, matter. because Yeah, so once the break ends, that schedule didn't change. Like, so teams like the Blues didn't get a bunch of games that were crammed into March, moved into February, did they? The schedule post-Olympics or what was supposed to be post-Olympics is kind of batty. And you are going to need two goaltenders. And as much as I'm a fan of Charlie Lindgren, and I think the step he's taken this season is, again, a credit to what the Blues have built in a goaltending department, not just David Alexander. And I talked to Charlie about this. And this is where we see the late bloomer stuff, right? Like we're seeing it with Jordan Bennington's playing or his off-season training partner here in Vancouver, Spencer Martin. Seven years pro. He comes in and gets a shot. He's five years between NHL starts. He goes 1-0-2. And the, the two overtime losses were the Canucks shorthanded personnel-wise against the Oilers who put up 50 shots on him. And Florida, as a wagon, beat him in a shootout. Like he's 1-0-2 with a 9.58. And again, he gets to an organization later and he adds new things, new voices, new concepts that he hadn't thought of before or in ways he hadn't thought of before. And all of a sudden, everything clicks for him. I think you're seeing that with Charlie Lindgren and the way he plays rushes, the way he's, he's changed his mindset towards rush attacks with David and then with Dan Stewart and how that's fueled a better positional game. And once you feel confident about your positional game, you're not reaching, you're not stretching, you're moving into pucks rather than reaching out for them, you're not opening holes, you just feel stable and solid. And you saw that in the way he played. So as much as that might be something that could continue, to me, unless there's a massive return, and there typically isn't for goaltenders, let's be honest, but unless you're looking at a massive return, I do not understand why you would do anything to undermine your goaltending depth heading into a part of the season where it's never going to be more important than that sort of quote-unquote post-Olympic break with all the games hammered on top of each other 
and then a playoff that we may not have back-to-backs like we did in the bubble in 2022 or in 2020, but it's going to be a tight, compressed schedule again. So um, to me, that doesn't make a ton of sense unless the return's off the charts. And as I said, the market for goaltending, as much as there's always teams looking for it, you don't tend to get big numbers back or big deals. Like goalies don't bring a lot of value in return right now. And that, and that, and, I think that and, just the late, that just kind of falls right in line with I think our general mindset as far as uh, we may have to get actually that cut that soundbite out and use it uh, later on just to to back up what we've been saying with with. I was just going to say that I I think that like it, it's probably that people listening who listen to the show regularly are like oh they're getting all their information from Kevin Woodley because this is what they've been saying for the past <laughs> two months. <laughs> It's good. We I, like, today on, on Twitter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> today on Twitter, there was a conversation. Uh, one one guy said, uh, uh, "Let's see. The only issue is at the end of the year, you're most likely letting Huso walk and getting nothing for him. Freeing up cap space is great, but then you're down to Lindgren next year as backup, and no one really behind him." And I think my response to him was like, "Well, what? Why? Why are we automatically losing Huso? I don't. I don't." Uh, understand why we have to lose someone in this whole thing. I mean, he's a free agent, but I mean, you can resign guys and I don't think he's going to ask for them. He's had, you know, he's still a small sample size with his career. I'm not sure how much he can demand yet. So. Yeah. And I I was going to say, I I, I think that, you know, uh, trying to add, add the goaltender piece. Like if you're, you're thinking about teams that are, are looking to add goaltenders, it's, it's going to be, you know, somebody's going to look to add a goalie. Like if they're, they want to make a push in the playoffs, they're going to do it then. If you're a team that's going to, you know, press the reset button, probably not going to look to pay a goalie a lot of money during that time frame. So I don't, I, you know, I haven't gone out to look to see what the market looks like this, this summer for, for other free agent goalies, but you know, Doug Armstrong, if, if, you know, as much as, as much as, you know, I, I used to hate the guy and deride him. He's a brilliant general manager and he has made some really shrewd signings, um, you know, bringing in the right, the right people, bringing back the right people. And at this point, I'd be shocked if if Huso was gone uh, this offseason. I think other things will change before that happens. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. I don't know what the market is for Jordan Bennington, guys. Like, I, I kind of try to avoid, you know, I, I don't have any inside information. I'm not like an insider like the Elliot Friedmans and the Bob McKenzie's of the world. And, and so I, I, it's just not something I've even dug into, to be honest with you. I would think that, you know, when I look at Edmonton, like there's a team that – he would help, no question. But can, can they afford that type of commitment on a cap hit moving forward? You know, probably not. Um, the Washington Capitals are a really good defensive team that is getting undone a little bit by the inconsistency consistency of Ilya Samsonov. Uh, Vitek Vanacek has been good, but I'm not sure anybody looks at him, you know, even internally outside of the goaltending department says this guy's going to carry us to a Stanley Cup. They could use a little bit of that swagger maybe in that. Um, but again, when you look at teams like that, uh, can they afford not just the cap hit the rest of this year, but the, the full contract the rest of the way? Um, you know, there, there's not a lot of teams that can probably pull the trigger on that deal. And I probably put Colorado in that conversation as well, right? The Kemper thing record-wise has worked out. And I actually think he's starting to find his legs behind that team. It's just a matter of staying healthy. And I also, I actually, I know a lot of people point to Colorado. I, I actually think that Pavel Francouz is going to open some eyes soon. He's finally got his legs under him after missing an entire season. People forget that until he sort of got hurt in that 
you know, playoff run two years ago, like right up until the playoffs, he was pushing Philip Grubauer for the number one job. So, you know, are they going to commit, you know, salary and term as a team that's got other tough roster decisions and seems to be intended sign in that kind of that Carolina mode where if we build a great team, we don't necessarily need to spend big in goaltending and then let Grubauer walk. Um, so, you know, those teams that sort of have bigger goals this season, you know, some of them could absolutely benefit from Jordan Bennington. They, they probably, if they look at the same numbers I'm looking at, you know, they're not, they're not looking at the stuff that everyone on Twitter ripping the guy is. They're, they're looking at this stuff and they're like, yeah, this guy, is, he's, he's a really good goaltender. He would help us. But like everything, it comes back to what you can fit. And, you know, certainly the Blues, because of the contract, like there's no way they're eating money on it. And because of the contract, it's going to limit what you get in return because the other team is looking at, like, yeah, we get a really good goaltender, but uh, the contract, the uncertainty of it, we're not going to give you a bunch of assets for him because of the contract. And so if you're the Blues, do you, do you undermine your depth that much um, heading into such a busy time of the season? If you're not even improving elsewhere, you're not helping your defense, you're not doing anything that's going to get you out of the basement of the league five on five um defensively so you know that's why guys like doug armstrong get paid the big bucks to figure that all out i just get to yap about it online every once in a while i think you have to also talk about uh if the blues did were looking to move bennington uh then you're putting all your eggs in the huso basket and he's i mean everybody knows he's been fantastic this year but like we talked about and you mentioned you know small sample size you know things can change in a hurry right so, uh, I mean, I don't know if, if any uh, the Blues would say we want to go with you. You know, you're our, our goalie of the future, number one, right? I mean, we're going to, we're going to, we're, we're, we, we have cup aspirations and, and Huso's the guy. Um, I don't know if they're there for that. I mean, it's, I don't think he's shown it over the long enough haul yet, but I don't know. It, it just, I mean, and, they, and they'll, that's the thing, right? Like we can, I can look at the numbers and they don't tell the whole story either, right? They, to me, they just give way better context than anything else. The reality is the people that are closest to it, the Dave Alexanders, the Dan Stewart's, the, the management group, they know what they have. Like they'll have, you know, how much confidence they have. They'll know that right now. But there's still ups and downs that come with learning and time and experience and, and more minutes, right? Like this is one of the things. Like right now, um, as Billy's picked up more and more games, like, I talked to UC Soros about this this week. It's one of the things that makes his run this season so remarkable is it really is his first year as the all-out number one goaltender. And that becomes a difficult transition. I think actually for him it helped that he spent half a year. He sort of took over from Pekka halfway through last year and got a feel for it. But when you're playing like every second night and playing those number one minutes, you lose that time with the goalie coach to manage your game because you're trying to manage your body and trying to manage your rest. So the extra 20 minutes before practice, the extra 20 minutes after practice position specific stuff becomes more and more difficult to get when you're the number one guy, because, Hey, I can't, can't be out there for 30 minutes extra because I got to preserve my rest for the next start. And it becomes a real balance to sort of manage your game and also manage your rest in that number one role. And it's usually a process that goalies need some time to work their way through. There's typically some ups and downs that come with that. Not everybody does it like UC Soros was doing this season where it's just like, yep, I've got this. Most guys, you know, experience at least a few hiccups along the way. You know, you say you're not an insider, but I think, I think you're an insight or 
you uh, you provide some fantastic oh. insight. Oh, <laughs> that myself. Yeah, to make sure I, you guys send me that. I'll put that in the Twitter bio. <laughs> that was the most genius thing ever said on this show. Yeah. That's fantastic. By Kurt Price. Yeah, there you go. By Kurt. By Price. Kurt. <laughs> By yeah. Kurt. Don't, don't go stealing it. <laughs> uh, Kevin. So one last question for me: Is this the best Canucks logo? I wore this in your honor. Uh, this is I, the know, best I noticed one, that right? earlier. I was going to comment. It's um. Uh, and man, for those like on the podcast listening, uh, this is the 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 skate, skate one with the circle and red, yellow, the orange, the orange and the, the yellow. It's, yeah, it's the plate of spaghetti, basically skating down. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I never. Heard and that. a lot of people, a lot of people feel that way about it. I've got ties to that one because I grew up watching that team, um, and they are going to wear it once this year. And I think that the equipment to give you guys a little taste of what's coming that Thatcher Demko is going to wear that night with the dark black skate jersey might be enough to convince everyone that they should go to it more often. I like the stick and ring. I like the blue and the green colors to me. Like that just, man, I live in Shangri-La. I got the Pacific Ocean on one side. I got the mountains on the other and all that. Like, so I like the, what rep, what that blue and green represents in Vancouver. It's kind of who we are as a, you know, we're a little, you know, sushi and Birkenstocks and, you know, a little hippie-ish out here. But um, I like the blue and green and what it represents. But wait till you see the set of pads and, and gloves and blocker that Thatcher Demko has. Um, if you just Google Kirk McLean, click on images, it is going mm -hmm. to be unreal. And it is going to complement that jersey and that logo beautifully. I didn't even know if they've announced the night they're wearing it, but I've actually seen the pads. I saw the prototype for them, and then I saw them in action at one practice where we were asked not to photograph it. Um, it it's sick. And if anybody if anybody remembers Kirk McLean and the run that he had, especially obviously in 94, uh, it's going to invoke memories of that, and it's going to be a special night. And so it might be enough to win me over to, to that jersey, not just because you have it on your hat, Jeff. I love that look. <laughs> yeah, you said that, and I thought, I thought, man, I hope he goes Kirk McLean. And hearing that he is, that's fantastic. Good, sweet. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome a couple of years ago when Brian Elliott pulled the uh, the the Cujo, um, the whole Cujo motif from from you know the nineties. Um, I mean, it, the one Blues jersey, you know, everybody raves about the the throwbacks um, that that the Blues have done for the Winter Classics, and you know, one of our ongoing debates is, you know, are the uh, quote unquote clown jerseys the the nineties uh, uh, horizontal uh, or diagonal? diagonal stripes yeah. right are, are those you know what are they um you know they were the gretzky era so they're always going to get a little bit of a pass and uh but that as bad as cream... these are nothing tops you guys remember when we had salmon colored jerseys here yes yes <laughs> awful nothing yeah. will awful. ever nothing no. will ever be that bad yeah <laughs> ever yeah but but yeah, we're we're waiting for the next time the Blues are in an outdoor game so that they can do something with the early '90s uh, jerseys that just haven't gotten any uh, any oh, throwback whole, love. The whole yeah, whole Oates yeah, the whole Shanahan Oates era. Yeah, see that, like, but doesn't like it we, when you see those jerseys. Like to go to Jeff's point, um, we had a there was a 50th anniversary night here, like they and they brought out all the players over the years and all the stars. And the biggest reaction of the evening, actually the biggest reaction was for Gino Ochek. 
But the, the, the other, the, the visceral response where people just connected to a player and a moment, and frankly, a look, was Kirk McClain oh. skating out mm-hmm. in that jersey for the hat that Jeff's wearing, wearing a replica set of his gear. And actually, I actually was the one that found a local guy that had had a set built to look like it because Kirk didn't have any of it, and the Canucks didn't have anything that looked like it. And so it was a local fi- firefighter that uses that in his beer league. And he it looks just like Kirk and connected him with the team. And so Kirk put on the gear. And like all goalies, he doesn't even play goal anymore. He plays out. So he hasn't even had pads on in like 30 or 20 years or something like that. But he skates out in that replica of equipment of what he wore. And just it just triggered something in everyone. Like it just it took you back. And it was probably the biggest reaction, like I said, outside of Gino, who is a you know, folk hero here, deservedly so. Um, just the reaction was unreal. It was just you, you felt it in the building. And so I'm excited to see Thatcher wearing a tribute to that because there is a connection and it comes through equipment for us goaltenders that just, I don't know, it, it just hits different, to quote the kids. <laughs> um, Kevin, this has been awesome. I, we really appreciate you coming on. We can now call you a friend of the show. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, how well do you know Luke Korak? He's a longtime friend of the show. Uh, I don't know him really well. Um, like, we've never had a chance to meet. We've got to make that happen. Pandemic has made traveling difficult. Um, but I know his yep. work well, and I'm a big fan of it. Uh, obviously, at NHL.com, but also just I know he does a bunch of other things, and I've checked that out, and I just know he's really good at what he does. And, uh, oh, so you're a fan of his work. So you're yeah, the I'm a one. Fan of, I'm a fan work. of the friend of the show. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Uh, uh, Lou uh, did share uh, your uh, your goalie discussion, your tweet thread uh, on. Uh, it's probably on why I got so and much reaction because Lou amplified it to the. To the yeah. Thing. So thanks, Lou, for all the hate yeah, mail. For sure. Really <laughs> no, it's we'll fantastic. Read. To him. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. Uh, but no, thank you, Kevin, very much for coming on. Uh, we want to give you a second to. Obviously, you've talked about it, but NHL.com, In Goal Magazine. How can people read what you write? How can they interact with you on social media? Where can they find you? Uh, you know, honestly, the best way, like I, my Twitter handle has been up here the whole time. Kevin is In Goal, and I link to a lot of the stuff we do at In Goal Mag, as well as uh, my columns at NHL.com. But um, I'd probably just recommend go to InGoalMag.com. As much as it is a paid subscription site, you can preview all the stories that you would have access to. And so I talked about pro reads, the video sessions we have, pro drills where we're doing, we're on the ice or shooting from the stands at NHL. But in the summers, we actually, like we've spent, oh, I want to say we had like four or five summers in a row. We're on the ice with Kerry Price working with kids and capturing the video and capturing the moments and, you know, sort of the tips that he delivers to the kids that frankly apply right up to beer league. Um, if you're not a goalie, it's probably not for you, but if you're a goalie, there's lots of cool stuff in there and we'll probably make you a better goalie. So ingolmag.com and um, I think the, all our social media is tied around Ingol Media and Ingol Mag as well. So it's pretty easy to find us and the podcast is free. So um, be sure to check that out. I think, we, like I said, 150 plus episodes. Got Henrik Lundqvist in, uh, queued up here for the next couple of weeks as well. Um, but we get into it with the goalie coaches too. We do, you know, it's a lot of minutia. So again, if you're not a goalie, eh, probably not. But if you are, um, we'll make you a better goalie, I promise. Even Bill. I, I lied to you. Even Bill. Even <laughs> Bill. I, uh, I lied to you. I do have one more question. And okay. Bill brought this up before the show, and I forgot. Uh, friend of the show, Curtis Sanford. 
Uh, he we've had him on. He's a fantastic dude. How's he doing in his role as a goalie coach? Uh, excellent. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons that the Canucks are where they are right now and the way, the way they were able to weather that storm when Demko and Halak were both stuck in protocol was Spencer Martin. I talked about you know him as an example, as a guy who trained with Binner in the summers, um, you know, who's shown like he could be one of those next guys like Lindgren who gets an opportunity after all those years of sort of developing. And, and I think it's Sanford's voice, frankly, um, as much as Ian Clark is the goalie coach who gets a lot of credit here in Vancouver, it's been the work with Curtis in Abbotsford that really has propelled. I mean, Spencer, it's not just the changes they made and, and Bill would, would have seen this. We just put a drill up with um, don't giggle but the drill is called double dumps. Um, we just put a drill up called double dumps with Spencer Martin and Curtis Sanford. You guys are all giggling. I knew it. I, you literally um, said not to, and I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you wouldn't have said uh, that, I might have skipped over it. <laughs> um, so we just put that drill up this week, and it's just an example. Like, it's, see, the thing to me about Curtis is, like, all the technical stuff that we talk about that he's helped change in Spencer, but it's it's – He's been there. He's done that, including working under Ian Clark here in Vancouver. Like he knows what it's like because he's a very demanding goalie coach. So he knows as guys come in and, and get their first taste of that, uh, Curtis knows what that's like. And so when Spencer came in here, he was fifth on the depth chart. And he was behind Mikey DPS. He was behind Artur Silov. He wasn't playing. He didn't play for a month. And I think it's a real credit, not just, again, to the work they did on the ice, but to understanding where Spencer was at and helping keep him engaged, not losing him, not pushing too hard, and helping him get through that month, incorporating the changes they wanted and coming out on the other side of it, a better goaltender, so that he's able to actually outplay the other guys in a short sample, earn the number one job, and be the first man up when they needed him and take advantage of that opportunity. Curtis Stanford's a hell of a goalie coach. I give the Canucks credit, too, because uh, up until this year, it had been a part-time job. Um, they invested in the position. They've made it a full-time job in Abbotsford. And Curtis committed to it. I think you know, he's a guy that someday is going to make an NHL club look really smart for hiring him. But for now, the Canucks are lucky to have him feeding the pipeline, just as I think the Blues are lucky to have that Dave Alexander-Dan Stewart combination in St. Louis. Awesome. Kevin, thank you very much. This was very insightful, and uh, I know the Blues fans will appreciate it. Uh, again, Kevin Woodley. Kevin is in goal on Twitter. Check him out, NHL.com, as well as in goal magazine. Kevin, thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You don't live your life like the guy you see at the gym powerlifting seven days a week. You also don't live it like the cycling class instructor or the vegan who gets her steps every day. So why go to the vitamin store and try the same stuff they're using and hope it meets your needs? Newsflash, it doesn't. RockinThatIDLife.com is here to help you better understand how you respond to food and exercise. Their supplements are developed to make sure you're using quality products you can trust to achieve the results that are meaningful to you is your goal to improve overall energy achieve deeper sleep lose or gain weight the answer to all of those options rockin' that id life can help our friend dustin at rockin' that id life.com is here to help you do life better and achieve your goals not someone else's get started today by visiting rockin' that id life.com or emailing dustin at rockin' that id life at gmail.com and tell him let's go blues radio sent you to receive 10 percent off your order that's rockin' that id dlife.com and start your betterment journey today how great was that god that was fantastic 
I feel new validated. favorite episode. <laughs> that was some good. That was some good content there. Yeah, that yeah, was. And, and Thank you, I'll, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I I will. Um, you know, I I am a a very recent subscriber. Right, it's one of my last few tweets. You know, when I when I subscribed, um, and it's the the stuff that they've got on that site, and the just the the connections that they are able to make with the guys doing the craft. I mean, he talked about it. They they have you know they just got Pekka Rene. They're going to have Henrik Lundqvist. His jersey was just retired, right? They've got all of these legends, um, and and that the the episode he referenced about uh, Luongo um, driving around in the car um, that <laughs> they made they made reference to that in the first pod I checked out, and I'm like, oh, that's got to be the next one I watch, next one I I, I listen to. So. Uh, just absolutely um, excited to be a subscriber on that site, and um, the the just the the depth of the content that they have there is is amazing. Um, their contributors are 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 just awesome, and yeah. Definitely I realize all this is going to do, Bill, is just it that itch is going to become oh, a major scratch full-on poison maybe oh, now oh it is yeah. it is it's it's definitely fuel the fire it's it's flat out like some kind of like rip roaring well, no, was... <laughs> this is this is full-on <laughs> chlamydia some, now some kind of chlamydia poison ivy uh herpes mix uh and uh, arizona uh, beat colorado guys Sweet. yes i saw that oh that was uh, in yeah, the shootout Shootout, yeah. Right. The one thing we didn't get to do was was uh, rip on Kevin for for not delivering uh, Nashville loss to us. Tonight. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, we'll take the we'll take the Arizona um, getting a point away from Colorado. Yeah. But now not they still that have that point them. streak going. You know, undefeated right. regulation. Yeah, they have the point streak, but not the win streak. So yeah, we'll take yeah. It. We're we're not catching Colorado after a 19 game heater. Not at home. I mean, at home, yeah. But I, I yeah, they, they're gonna have to go on a. Uh, a nice uh, losing streak for us to have a shot at catch yeah. on, which good luck. Uh, okay, so uh, rest of the show, we can breeze through some of this stuff. Uh, uh, the Blues had the uh, a great, great statement uh, rematch game against Calgary, a five to one win uh, in response to the seven one loss in Calgary a few nights before. Shen had a goal and an assist. Sod had two goals, one assist. Uh, Kyrie and Riley had the other goals. Huso uh, stopped twenty at twenty nine. Adding another goal to the controversy here that uh, we no longer should have if everyone listens to this show. Um, <laughs> it's not too often you win five to one uh, when losing the faceoff battle. They lost sixty-one percent to thirty-nine in this game, which is a lot uh, in a uh, in a in a in a win to lose that by that that much. Um, I mean that's a lot anyway. In a loss, it's crazy. Uh, Calgary. Uh, Goaltender Markstrom wasn't as sharp in this game as he was the other night, only stopping 23-28. So, yeah, he wasn't because he. uh, We talked about how he shut out the Blue Jackets the night before, right? And we were like, "Oh shit, we're gonna see him again." And I'm glad we did. Yeah, yeah, so strong. Yeah, I I made a comment when Bill said that, or uh, we mentioned that he was uh, he shut out. I was like, "Well, then he won't play tomorrow night against us." Well, he did. So I was wrong about that. Yeah. 
No, it was, uh, you know, they were definitely gonna, gonna ride the, the hot hand there. And it, it was, it was, uh, definitely a case uh, to throw as many cliches into one statement as I can that, you know, the, the tables were turned. Um, she was on the other foot, um, compared to the game in Calgary where, you know, it was, it was our end of a road trip, you know, back to back nights. Um, and, yeah, not that the flight from Columbus to St. Louis is anywhere as near as bad as the flight from Vancouver to Calgary. Um, I mean, it's what an hour hour max from Columbus. It couldn't have been that bad, but but Calgary played their asses off in that ca- in the Columbus game. I, team record sixty two shot attempts. Or yeah, I, I think it was actually sixty two shots on goal. Sixty two shots on goal. Shot yeah. yeah, right. It, it's yeah. the old school shots on goal. Yeah, just yeah. They they probably didn't have a whole lot left in the tank, and and the Blues were up for revenge. So, um, third most shots in the modern era, something like that. I saw a stat. I didn't mm. like flash up on TV. Um, crazy. Yeah. Um, Blues uh lost four to one to Winnipeg the other night. Uh, in a probably the opposite uh performance they had the night before against uh, the, the game before against Calgary. It was O'Reilly's 900th uh, NHL game, 427 with Colorado, 249 with the Blues, and 224 with the Buffalo Sabres. Did, um, listen, we, we've been doing this show, right? At, uh, well, maybe not as long as he's been in the NHL. I'll have to look back at his first season. but And I know we used to talk about O'Reilly just, you know, oh, this dude's going to be great. He's going to have a great year or great uh, great career. I don't remember him playing 427 games with the Avalanche. Yeah, that's a lot. Right. He started as an 18-year-old, like though, right? Yeah. Right. That, and, you know, that, that, was, that was the crazy part. He wasn't expected to, to crack the NHL lineup as an 18-year-old, and he did, and he played a full season. So yeah, he's fantastic too. Yeah, he's he's and he's the kind of guy that prepares so well that he could be setting some some career numbers at at the end of the day that that you know blow everybody away. And um, you know, uh, speaking for this guy, I certainly hope that uh, all of those are played in the Blues. Uh, all the remaining games in oh, his yeah. career are played in the Blues jersey. So two thousand nine, two thousand ten was his first season uh, yeah. with the Avalanche and. He played um, what six years total there, which is awesome. Uh, he's just one of those guys that I feel like you know we used to talk about these kind of guys in other on other teams that you know maybe like a Dallas fan looks at and says that dude should be fifty by now, right? <laughs> right. Because you know he was there since since he was eighteen. He's been playing and playing good hockey. His worst years were in Buffalo, which who can't say that? Yeah, only thirty. Right now. I know Patrick Berglund can. Uh, <laughs> out of the 2009 draft class, only Jonathan Tavares has played in more games than O'Reilly. So that's a, a nice feather in his cap. Uh, Stasny scored twice in this game. Uh, Winnipeg went with their backup goalie, uh, Eric Comrie. Uh, and we're missing a number of players. Uh, Morrissey, Shvankov, and uh, Gavenke. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Gavenke? Uh, first. Gawinky. Gav- no, it's Gavank. Gav- There's no, a V in there. I know. Gavanke. I know. Um, first period, uh, Blues almost scored right off the face off. Um, <laughs> crazy bounce. Uh, Comrie had to make a great save. Uh, went off the defenseman, I believe. Um, almost was it like six, seven, eight seconds in, something like that. Uh, yep. 
Tarasenko scores to put the Blues up one nothing on the power play. Uh, Winnipeg scores the next four goals, though. And you know what's funny is so they were talking about how the Blues need to take advantage of this Jets team because they've got you know on the on the Blues broadcast because they've got these young kids in. I think two of the guys had only played in one NHL game before this, and it was you know basically you're just sitting here looking at it and saying this is going to be an onslaught. And I even had somebody tweet me um after the Tarasenko goal that said this has the makings of a blues blowout and i responded mm, I, saw that. I said i saw that and i said don't speak too soon man <laughs> you never yeah. know what could happen i mean we just talked about it arizona just beat colorado yes it was in a shootout but arizona beat colorado crazy things can happen in this league they're all nhl teams so yeah it was um I think we were feeling a little too confident after that Calgary win. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was. It, shouldn't it have been blew because, the they, they, got, because they got whooped the game before. Yeah. So. But it was uh, it was just a I, – I didn't like the effort. Um, I felt like this was one of those games where you, you've got an 11-day break coming up. You empty everything you have into this game. I mean, I know that's a cliché. But there was a lot of lackadaisical play, I thought, in this game. There was a lot of – the Blues just looked tired. They looked worn out. And I get that. They've played a lot of hockey recently. But, again, this is your last game. Put it all on the line. Get out there and skate your ass off every shift because then you can take 11 days and just do your morning skate, and that's it if you want to. You know, it's it just was not a good game by the Blues. They did not look strong at all. Own zone uh, miscommunication goals on uh, goals number one and two against the Blues uh, led the turnovers uh, on the first goal against Huso uh, did a poor job trying to clear after Falk and Kairou collided, uh, which uh, I didn't get to watch the game live. I watched uh, highlights later, but the watching, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, oh God, this is like a kitchen era uh, play on the ice. I'm watching that 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 play reminded me of uh, uh, that era, but there's like just complete lack of communication turnover. Uh, and then, uh, Huso grabs Lewis puck and then just shoots it right into, um, I guess it was uh, Stasny, right. And then he says, puts it in, uh, behind Huso. So, uh, and then the, uh, another more communication miscommunication on the uh, near boards. Nobody goes for the loose puck after it was poked away. Uh, Winnipeg centers across the slot and, and counter scores uh, the exact same kind of goal that, uh, uh, Kevin Woodley was saying the Blues give uh, give up, you know, passes across. So, and that's what I was gonna say is is I would love to see the analytics that he talked about from this game in particular, because Huso played well enough to win. He did, but he didn't stand on his head, and that make me that makes me sit here and say, how good are the Blues when their goalie's not standing on their head? You know, like was this just a poor game? Or is this just we're seeing the Blues as who they are, but we weren't getting the spectacular goaltending that we've been getting from Huso? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think we – two of the last three games have been you – know, in the Winnipeg game totally should not have been a throwaway game, but it was. right? They, they really – you know, after – after the second period, I had no hope that we were going to come back and win that game. It just, you know, they, they were, they were a tired team. 
on the verge of going on a, a pretty extended break and they just wanted to get through it. They were going through the motions and, you know, it, it, it just, it, it felt to me like, you know, that that game was just, you know, them saying, all right, let's get through this. We'll recharge. We'll come back. But is, you know, where we are at this point with this team, you know, the, we can, we can. I think after tonight's episode, we can conclusively say that goaltending is not the problem, and we have <laughs> stats to back that up. Yeah. Right? Did the Blues make the wrong tweaks with the defensive personnel that they have? Um, you know, in the offseason with changing the defensive structure, they're not eliminating the kinds of chances that we gave up last year. Right? We're 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 still susceptible to those plays. Do we have the right defensive people in place? Do we have the right defensive system in place? Are we overusing Colton Pareko? Right, they're they're they want Colton Pareko to be a number number one, but quite honestly, Justin Falk and Tori Kruger probably are two best defensemen, and they're not always getting the number one minutes. Um, you know, I, I think these are things that I, I hope the, the coaching staff is looking at. I think, um, I'm, I'm hoping that Doug Armstrong is exploring, you know, an, an option for, for bringing in another defenseman. I'd be shocked um, if he did not. Right. Shocked. And, and shocked. I, I am going to lament Mark Bergevin no longer being in Montreal for one thing. And that is, we probably could have sent Scandella back there for Sherratt. Um, and, you know, got the one guy that a lot of, uh, you know, that, that seems to be available that would help this team, big bruising defenseman who actually would clear people out in front of the net. Mm. Um, Does but, anybody think but, yeah. that the, the, the forwards need uh, no. a jolt and, and nothing I, is going to change in net? So right. I, the only thing that's going to happen saying do, is a defense. Are you saying do forwards need a, a jolt in terms of uh, making a trade? Like bringing wire or someone to oh, I was I gonna say I think they their defensive game needs help. Right. So maybe no, I, I don't even say you need to go out and get another gun. If you're gonna do anything, maybe go out and get another defensive forward to help. Yeah. Out. Mm, I don't if know. if yeah, I, or or do you force the use of you know the fourth line or or put in you know Barbashev has had a great offensive year. His numbers are really contributing to the success of this team. But do you need to put him back together with Sunfist and Tyler Bozak as your shutdown group? That that's Bozak is this year's steam, right? You do both. put those guys together. Do right? that and and acquire a a, def, a defenseman. Yeah, Some, I, or something. I no, I I totally think that that that's what I don't think you need to bring in a defensive forward. I guess is my point. I think you just tweak who you have, right? And you know the the one thing I would probably do soon. We'll see how he is coming out of the break. But Robert Thomas needs to be uh, have some of the responsibility taken away from him because his defensive game has been shit. His he's been not not pursuing the puck well, coming back into the zone, getting beat on on yeah. you know high danger yeah, scoring I chances i don't know if you can call it like uh a defensive for me that i was gonna make this comment but the fact that he'll turn it over and then not skate his ass off to get back and try and cover the guy that he lost the puck to we saw that in the calgary game uh shorthanded mm -hmm. but we've seen it a lot and we saw it a couple times in this game 
where he lost the puck and you saw his head go straight up right. in the air like fuck and then go to the bench and it's like no right. you lose the puck don't even react you go back right. and you try to fucking get that puck back and that's just not right. what we're the, seeing from him right now this the speed in the league now is you can't react like that and i i will say i think that's a huge difference between jordan Cairo this year and jordan Cairo two seasons ago he would give us a puck and he would just like you, you could see him shrugging his shoulders like I know I fucked up, but now he turns and hustles. And, and I think, yeah, I think we need to see more from more of that from Thomas. I agree. And I think that's, and to your point, Bill, where it, that has come to Kairou with more experience. I think Thomas is that kind of player that you would see that kind of uh, responsibility uh, become uh, more of a thing with him uh, as he, you know, gets uh, more experience in the league, plays a couple more years. And uh, taking respond taking responsibility away from him, uh, so he's not as relied upon in the defensive zone. You know, like playing that wing. Do you play that wing? Well, I mean, because then well, that, that's because that would take some responsibility in the defensive zone away from him. But he's also killing penalties, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I think, sure. I sure, think which I don't think is it. Yeah, you can't do that. Right? Maybe limit. You want him to learn it. And, you know, the Blues, the Blues are, were in a pretty decent spot, you know, a couple of weeks ago in terms of their their position in the division. But, you know, after a couple of, you know, throwaway games, you, you can't throw away a whole lot more games. You're going to have to have more consistent effort. Right. And, you know, yeah. It, Kurt, I'm... I mean, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, I'm, Kurt, I'm actually, I, I hadn't thought about what you just said. Move him to wing. You might be able to put Sunquist at center. He's played center before, and he's a good defensive forward. So Excellent defensive forward. Maybe yeah. that's something you consider because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Thomas is relying on to be the, the up-and-down guys. You know, for those who don't know, centers are expected to play a little more defensive hockey, which is why centers usually win the uh, the Frank Selke for defensive forward. Um but, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, maybe saying, hey, we're taking you off center, that might be enough of a push because that's where he started, right? And it was, you know, because you don't want to – it's rare you see a, a natural center really start in the NHL as a center. You usually see him start as a winger, get a pickup of the game, and then move to center. Same thing with Robert Thomas. Yeah, you take that away from him now, maybe that is the push he needs. <sighs> Less responsibility. That's, I mean, that's what the yeah. winger has. I mean, and it's now, granted, you're taking, you know, ice space away from him in, in a way. Uh, whereas what he, in the offensive zone, that's where you want him, you know, to, to be creating, you know, to, to, uh, creating space, uh, creating plays in the space in the offensive zone that a center would, would have. So, I mean, there's, there's a give and take there, but I think, uh, I think the trade off will be a, a, a net plus. For the Blues at this point, unless you know something Agreed. drastically changes with this defensive game, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, Nate Schmidt scored on the uh, power play for um, Winnipeg after Huso had a stick knocked out of his hand by Bertuzzo. <laughs> it's three to one at this point, and uh, late right. in the third. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. So I was just going to say Bertuzzo right now. The last Taking these last goalies. two, yeah. right? He, he's uh, he's been. Um, you know, you get to a point where you're, you're a detriment to your goal. You're, you're doing too much. Um, 
you know, I, I, I'd like to see uh, Jake Wellman come in for a game and um, give him a spell when, you know, you know what when I... it really, you know, I, I, I think our better third pairing defenseman, third pairing on defense is Bortuzzo and Wallman. But after, you know, Bortuzzo's mishaps, you know, interfering with his own goaltenders in the last few games, something's got to change there. You know what I hope Robert Bortuzzo is doing right now? I hope he is sitting on a beach in Mexico, drinking hand, not thinking about hockey. Last thing totally, from his mind. Right. I he I think totally. he has been overthinking. He's been overplaying. He's just been well not not that not that he's some spectacular defensive player, but he just has not been great lately. And I think what he needs is to take this break and not think and just relax and come back to hockey and hope that you're rejuvenated. I, I actually like Bartuzo. I just, I, but I, 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 and his faults are never from effort because he's, I mean, he's a, he's, he plays hard and he's, he's commented recently and said that the, his entire career, he's never had like a guaranteed regular spot in the lineup. He's always had to fight for his spot, you know, cause, cause he's not, he's not a really a top four guy. So he's, He's always been that bottom pairing guy. So he's he's always been like if, if something needs a shake up or the defense is struggling, he's the guy that sits, you know, so he doesn't want to do that. So he's always had to work really hard to try and stay in the lineup. And you can see that. But it's just it's just uh, you know, uh, maybe some of his mistakes are, are from trying too hard around the net, but running into the goalie, knocking the goalie stick out of his hands. Um, you know, uh, effort based mistakes are you know, it's hard to get mad at somebody for that kind of thing. We're just trying too hard and you, and you, and you make a mistake doing that. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, Wallman's a much more talented defenseman, but you know, is he as good defensively? I don't know. Uh, Bartuzzo is one of our best penalty killers too. So shot mm-hmm. blockers, but, um, so late in the third period, uh, with Huso pulled for the extra attacker, um, O'Reilly was tripped coming into the zone. I think people were bitching about that big time online, and it's a blatant trip. I don't know how you don't call that. Not that that made a difference in the game whatsoever. Blues are still down by two. I mean, even if O'Reilly isn't tripped, you know, there's no no guarantee they score on that rush either. So, uh, and could have lost three to one or what? But but that's a terrible missed call. Um, well, and especially yeah, with I, how there was some calls right before it too that were not nearly as blatant as that. You're gonna make those little ticky tack calls. You got to make that call there on the and rush it's not too, just because the Blues are down. It wasn't away from the play. It was right there. It was you know, right it was, there. It was, I mean, yep. you, you can't even say, "Well, it was away from the play. It didn't affect anything. I'm gonna let it go." Couldn't even say that because yeah, it resulted I, in turnover, and they scored a goal because of it. So this is this is one of those moments where. I want that the, you know, paying, you know, whatever, $100 a month for all access to all the mics that are available in an yeah. NHL game. Yeah. I, w- I would love to have hear- heard that conversation uh, between uh, Craig Berube and um, shit. What what the hell is the, the idiot that was wrapping that game? Uh, um, I can see his face. Where, I can't think of his name. Right. Where he's explaining why he didn't call it. And the whole time I'm like where's where's that account that that would put up the um you know the the funny um bullshit quotes about what the they're saying it, it, we needed that at that point because just just yeah. terrible how can you not make that call especially down three to one it's not like right. it's not like um 
you know, you're, it's a tie game and you're, you're, you're as a referee, you're trying to stay out of it. Um, it's a three to one game. I mean, you call the penalty, the game probably still ends the same way. I mean, what, what do you guys, I mean, it's call the fucking penalty. Right. It, to me, Paul Stasny, when he scored that goal, was like a soccer player looking back to see if they were going to call it back for offsides, you know, five <laughs> minutes later. Wait, you're going to let me score this goal? This you, is going to count? You know, it was, you know, it's a bad missed call when Tarasenko has his arms up in the air yelling at, at the referee. I mean, it, a guy who doesn't really do that unless uh, he is pissed off about something, so... Uh, Winnipeg, uh, ended a, uh, six game losing streak in this game. Uh, Huso was nine O and O with a 1.5 GAA and a nine five one save percentage, uh, in his past 10 starts at home. He was six O and O in seven games with a 1.11 GAA and a nine six five save percentage in January prior to Saturday. Uh, the blues lost for only the third time in their past 17 home games, 14, two and one for, over that for stretch. perspective. Uh, those are Bill Day CBC numbers right there. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty Didn't much. Didn't get that many starts. Uh, <laughs> but so, I mean, anyway, so 14, 2, and 1 in the last 17 home games, you're allowed a game like this. It just, I mean, you, you're, you, you're not going it, to, it's fine. It's not like they're 500 at home. You know, uh, I think uh, it's 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 an easy one to say. Well, it was a shitty game. You know, address some things and move on. You know, don't get too worked up about it. Hopefully, because you can't. You're not going to win every game at home. You're just not going to. And it's and the 14 to one less 17. It's hard to complain about losing a game, even when you throw a stinker up like this. Um, St. Louis outshot Winnipeg 29, 24. Lost the faceoff battle again, 46 percent to 54 percent. We were one for five on the power play. Winnipeg was one for three. So, uh, and we're off until uh, next up for the Blues uh, until February 10th when New Jersey will be in town. And that is interesting. Coming out of the break, uh, New Jersey, we have New Jersey, Chicago at home, and then on the road for Ottawa, Montreal. That is a four game stretch that you should win all four, no question. The, no question. The entire month of February is teams well in the bottom half of the league. It's, yep. it's, it's a trap. It, <sighs> if well, they come out and play to the, the level of the opposition, like you know, they had the reputation of doing uh, several years ago, it's, yeah. it's going to be well, tough. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, this is going to, I mean, February would determine, well, the trade deadline is, but uh, February, I mean, if, if, if they don't play well in February when they should be, because they're playing against teams that they should be beating, um, you know, that's going to weigh heavily into, uh, going on the trade deadline. So, so there's that too. Uh, Bill let's, mentioned let's it. Not, I was going to say, let's not forget Doug Armstrong's not the guy that waits for the trade deadline. He makes That's true. early. That's true. That's true. Because uh, he'll say, uh, I'm in my, I I'm in my trade, trade you know, three weeks ago. Right? So. I think uh, I think the trade deadline's in March, is it not? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Come out of February, yeah, the remember. deadline's in March yeah. sometime. Yeah. But um, let's not, let, so Bill mentioned it here. Uh, so you mentioned the opponents, New Jersey, Chicago, Ottawa, Montreal. That's next four. Toronto, okay, that's a tough, tough game. One. It's a tough Saturday game. night in Toronto. Real but tough. outside of that, then you go to Philadelphia, then Buffalo, then Chicago. Mm-hmm. All bottom feeders. That closes out February. You have one truly tough team in February. I hate to say it. If you're a playoff team, 
you are you need to look at this and say if we don't get anything outside of you know 85% of the points in these games it's a loss you need to come in and dominate and win these games uh, as a playoff team yeah six out of every eight points seven out of every eight points something like that you need to be getting three out of four wins four out of five wins something like that at least I mean it just yeah I mean because you got a tough march coming up you know, points in the bank, right? Although this happens every year, but we say this is the month that makes or break this team, right? And uh, the last two times, and, and in 2019, that happened. It was February. Uh, we had a yep. shitty, tough schedule, and the Blues tore it up in February. And we're like, wow, that was amazing. And that just Well, they did that last in. year. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Every year, it's like, it's like there's one month they, in the second half. It's like it's like we this went, is the month. I think we it have was, to play well. And I think it was we went into March, and it was they were not a playoff team at that right. point. And it was, holy shit, they're not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then they went in and just barnstormed. And it was like, whoa, wait, this team can play hockey? And they were the awesome. hottest team in the in – the, they were the hottest team in the playoffs over the past 25 games or something like that. I don't know what it was. Yep. But, and then they got steamrolled. Caught we'll up. see. This yeah. is uh, this will be an interesting month to see, but um, we'll probably have one more show I think before these games start. Just a guess, but uh, yeah, I I, I expect uh, some. You know, they're going to be healthy. They're going to be rested. They got a long push coming here. Uh, they're just over the halfway mark of the season, and they got a lot of hockey in March and April. So uh, expect and, a strong yeah. push here to start in February. And to clarify, the trade deadline March twenty first. Okay. Very Later late this year. Yeah, it is late. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, Later than I thought. You're right. It's it's usually been the last week of February, first week of March, because that's always time. I I always have days that I have to take from the previous year. Or I I will lose them, yeah. so I'm always off during the trade deadline, but not this year. Uh, and well, and it's also because uh, you know they are. Because of the play, the uh, Olympic break originally, uh, they are playing well into April regular season. 29th is the last right. game of the season. So typically, you know, it, you know, your season ends early April. This year it's late April. So that does push it back. But it seems like it is even later than it should be, mm. uh, comparatively speaking. Uh, well, they did start late. Of course, we'd be remiss if we did not hear from uh, our very good friends from Sunrise Brewery. Centerrise Brewery is St. Louis's only hockey-themed brew house. Stop on in during the next game to experience the ultimate hockey fan brewery while sampling various hockey-inspired beers, such as Old Arena Lager, the Beauty IPA, the Rotating Pale Ale Series, or seasonal offerings such as their Imperial Stout, their Lime Sherbet Sour, and much more. While you're there enjoying any number of their fantastic beverages, you can admire the bar top and tables made of authentic arena wood and the actual penalty box door from the old barn. Located at 3126 Olive Street in Midtown St. Louis, it's one of the best places to watch a Blues game, or any game. Visit centereyesbrewery.com today to schedule a no-contact curbside pickup or make a reservation in the tap room. Center Ice Brewery. Let's go Blues. Please drink responsibly. It wouldn't be a show without a word from Center Ice Brewery. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> of course. Uh, so the Avalanche went for 19 straight on home ice tonight, and they lost. They lost. What a shame. You hate to see it. You hate uh, to see it. Lost in a shootout to Arizona. 
Uh, three to two, I believe. Um, yeah, three to two is right. Yeah. Uh, I think I put in the show notes. I wonder what's going to happen against Arizona. <laughs> Gee, I wonder. <laughs> uh, New Vegas uh, uh, skills competition events uh, for these uh, uh, All-Star weekend this weekend. Uh, the skills competition is on Friday. The All-Star game is on Saturday. Um, so 6.30 p.m. Central on Friday, ESPN. Uh, players will be shooting at playing cards to try and hit 21, so blackjack. Uh, and uh, some target shooting event on a boat mm. at the Bellagio and the fountains. So I have a question about uh, the blackjack thing. So Vegas can't name their team the Aces because that that makes people think of gambling, right? But they can yeah. literally play blackjack <laughs> during the skills competition in Vegas on the ice. Yeah, That's okay. if it That's okay. were right, if it were two years later that Vegas joined, they'd be the Aces. The the entire gambling landscape has right. completely changed. Yeah, they're um, embracing gambling I think full I'm, boat, full board. Yeah, I think I'm one of um, five American males over the age of forty that doesn't have um, a Betway or DraftKings account at this point. I do not either. The only but time, I'm also not that age. I I, <laughs> I do have. I I, I don't bet. I hardly ever bet on. Sports, except I'm the, the most I've ever bet in my life was in the Stanley Cup final. We talked about, and I, I bet on the Blues like four times and won three. It was, you know, I won a nice chunk of money. Anyway, uh, the breakaway challenge uh, returns for the first time since 2016. This one's the one where the players do goofy stuff and they're they're judged. I'm not a fan of it. I am not it, either. It's, I, I was very happy to see it disappear. It, what are we doing with this stuff? It's just, it's it's the Trevor Zegers show. That's that's why they're bringing uh, it maybe. I, yeah, because he's he's participating. He's not truly an all star, yeah. but they're bringing him in just for this. That's weird. Right, right. Yeah. Pulling off the Michigan against Montreal. This this event got Ugh. stupid real quick. You know, Kane it's, doing the it's Superman the, thing. It's and... the it's the dunk contest for right. hockey. But it which but doesn't up in costumes. Right. I, it I, doesn't if it translate. Was in, if it was just it in basketball, if it was just, you know, like shootout moves, like cool shootout moves, I'd be, I'd be cool with that doing like, but, but dressing up in costumes and coming down and holding up signs and that's ah, weird. I just, I don't know. Kids might love that kind of thing. I don't know. I'd imagine the older, older crowd's like, what the hell are they doing out there? No, I think every one of us that's over the age of 17 is probably like what the fuck is this this is pointless yeah when they used to have like a rating system they had like judges and they're it's still like gonna, they're still going to rate apparently oh my it's god weird. yeah so knock it off you're gonna have to like uh, you know appeal to the judges it's gonna be weird uh, it's gonna be it's dumb stupid. it's gonna be stupid it's gonna be dumb um yeah and we're old farts right that's right um and the All-Star game is on Saturday, February 5th, 2 p.m. Uh, Kairou representing the Blues. Um, you guys going to watch? People watch. are like People are like hit and miss with the All-Star game, you know? When it was here in St. Louis, I like paid very close attention just because it was here. Other than that, I typically, you know, I'll have it on, but I'm always doing something else. I'll have my laptop on my lap. I'll be playing a game with my son, you know, conversation with the wife i'm not really they're not truly paying attention they're not doing the 
divisions, are they? For the teams? No. No, they are. They are? I thought they, they were just yeah, doing... Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, good. Cause I, I like that. I, I like that format. The short games. Um, I think it's far better right. than one regular long game. I right. like that a lot. It makes it a little more interesting, but it also takes it away from from you know the actual game, that it's a three-on-three tournament the entire time. Yeah. Make it four-on-four. Bring more people there. Maybe oh, players, I, you know, yeah, I, I'm maybe, not, yeah. yeah, maybe the calculus is that you know they were having a hard time getting the stars to even show up a couple of years ago. That you know, they they kind of want to limit the number of players that they're bringing in, but make it four on four instead of three on three, and then three on three for overtime if you need it. Matt Harris, YouTube chat. I'd says, say, I I actually need to check into sport betting just for little bits of fun money. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's kind of a neat thing uh, to uh, to play around with once in a while. I keep telling the wife like we'll do we always do like game predictions like if we watch the Blues game or if there's a you know we watched the Chiefs game the other night, um, and the uh, the other game the Rams game unfortunately, um, uh. you know, and and yeah so I always do like score predictions you know right before the game starts what do you think the score is going to be? I'm always like super fucking close and i usually pick the winner and i always say i need to start fucking betting i need to start doing it just do it but i know the minute i start betting i'm gonna start getting it all wrong bet on what you know that's what i did in the in the cup final i'm like i had i i bet on what i knew and uh i was confident and i and the one the one time i bet the for the blues to win it was in game four I think the Blues, the game the Blues won, uh, I bet for them to win by two. And they won by two. <laughs> uh, so I hit like an extra thing on the on the bet. So that was like, yeah, that's extra money. It's cool. It's exciting. I mean, you know, it's probably like nerve-wracking if you bet a lot of money, which I would never do because that would stress me out. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 10 bucks here, 20 bucks there. It's fun. Um, Winter Olympics start Friday as well, which is a weird, it's kind of a weird thing, uh, day to have the skills competition and all-star weekend, the weekend of the Olympics starting, but okay. Um, yeah, but it's, okay. So if, if you look up when the winter Olympics start, it says Friday, February 4th. That's a lie. The Olympics start on Thursday because there's our games going on on Thursday. Uh, women's ice hockey starts Thursday. I think seven ten. Yeah, they do it, this every year. Yeah, it's so weird. It, it's every year, and they say they do it because well, you get some like some of these tournaments and things. You got to you got players need rest between games and events, so they they have to they have to start before the Olympics start, so they can finish everything before the closing ceremonies. And I'm like, just schedule the fucking closing ceremonies after the, the events over, and start everything after the opening ceremony. I don't understand uh why they I, have you... they have a weird time thing every year where they're like well these opening ceremonies need to be exactly this amount of time before the closing ceremonies why get rid of that yeah <laughs> what's Ext- the fucking point extend it by a few days and uh yeah i mean everyone i i most people like the olympics i do i mean everybody does but i, I like them and people that i mean i think they, they probably get good ratings i guess that's why it's always on tv everywhere but um yeah, just extend it by a few days and get everything in between the ceremonies. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. They actually stopped 
I think they want to stop calling them the opening ceremonies and call and just refer to the ceremony as a ceremony to celebrate the Olympics, not to open the Olympics because there are events that go on before. And some, some athletes can't even participate in the ceremony because they're doing events during the ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I think weird. that happened to the U S uh, women's team. Uh, I think it was two Olympics ago. They couldn't even participate in the opening ceremony because yeah, they that, had a game. Yeah. That's and so... I was like, come on, that's part of the thrill for these athletes is being there for the opening ceremony. You know, they said that uh, I was talking to Jeff, my, who's a ultra marathon or, you know, crazy trainer guy, but he, uh, he was saying that uh, some athletes uh, won't walk in the opening ceremony because of the sport they participate in. Uh, apparently some elite runners, they can't be standing around that long um in prep you know if they're going to be running in a day or two they they they're very meticulous on how they're treating their body and they don't want to be standing around for hours and then walk around and apparently it's not good for them i don't know weird yeah i just you know on the olympics i I think it's just going to be so difficult to 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 know that unless unless you you've got it on in, in the morning um you know it it's not live and that's you know I yeah wanna, i yeah, i want to watch yeah. the the u.s first canadian women live right i don't i don't want to watch that curling yeah maybe i'll tune in for that uh, recorded whatever um but I think the hockey, the big hockey games, and and let's be honest, you know, not to not to take anything away from it, the the Olympics used to be, you know, all amateurs, right? And and now it's you know, now we've been spoiled with NHLers there for for you know a few Olympics. I'm much more excited about the women's tournament, and yeah. you know, frankly, you know, to see if anybody can upset the you know the Canadians or the U.S. But then to see the Canadians in the U.S. and you know playing, um, you know, for a medal is always like that's that's got to be the most exciting game. And you know, you know that um, you know what's her name, um, uh, Marie Philippe Poulin's going to score in triple overtime. That's just you know, <laughs> three weeks from now. That's going to happen, and we just have to accept it. Uh, the uh, men's ice hockey starts on Wednesday, the ninth. Um... And Team USA plays China on the 10th at 7.10. I think that's AM. Yes. Um, yeah, it's yeah. AM. And uh, game of note, Team USA uh, men play Team Canada February 12th at 10.10. I guess that's AM, PM? I think it's. I think PM's correct. PM? Okay, 10.10 10 PM. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, even though Team USA and Team Canada, not what a lot of us expected them to be a couple months ago. Um Still, it's still USA versus Canada, so there's going to be some of the best prospects coming up that we're going to see uh, in those games. So that should be interesting. And like Bill said, I've I've really gotten into the women's tournament, uh, even when the NHL uh, was still sending players. Uh, I've gotten into that the last couple of years. I remember, I think we talked about it on the show when uh, Team USA won in overtime last Olympic. Yeah, that was great. It was at like 1 a.m. our time. Yeah. Yep. And I fucking lost my mind. I was jumping around the room going crazy. Woke up my son, woke up my wife and this is like it was like a Thursday night or something. Mm. And yeah, so I love it. Uh great hockey to watch and and you know always a nice rivalry. One on the on the deke of a life of her life. That was a fantastic yep. deke. Mm-hmm. 
Um, all right. Um, yeah, I love it. I'm gonna be watching. Uh, I'll have it on all the time. It'll be on the background. My TVs. I will be waking up early to come down and work before I get my son on the bus, which I typically don't do. I get him on the bus. He gets on about eight twenty. I come down to work starting about eight thirty. Work through the day. Uh, during the Olympics, I will be coming down at seven a.m. and that way I can turn on the early game. Uh, catch a little of that before I have to get him ready for the bus and come back down and work. So, yeah, I, I do work my schedule around being able to watch some of the Olympic hockey. Yep. And with all the streaming on nowadays, I'll, I mean, on days that I go into work, uh, I'll be, I'll have it on in the background, streaming, watching stuff. Oh, man, long show. Good show. Solid show today. Thanks to Kevin Woodley for coming on. You guys, anything else you want to add? We'll close it up. I got nothing except, uh, yeah, Kevin was one of my favorite guests we've had in a long time so just the yeah that was, was fun the uh knowledge and the uh insight i should say uh are both uh, they, they brought it's stuff that you know stuff that uh that we said when he was here that kind of just i don't want to sound cocky about it or uppity but it it, it it his his numbers and his stats and his insight just kind of backed up what we've been saying what many have been saying you know, I think it's the vocal minority that's upset about, you know, the goaltending, you know, complaining uh, has to be. But, uh, you know, it kind of validified, you know, the, the that's that uh, their stance, our stance on uh, goaltending the way it is right now and what should happen with it. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you in part by Idealife, the world's only truly personalized vitamin platform based on a health assessment of your DNA. Visit rockin'thatidealife.com for more information. That's rockin'thatidealife.com and get 10% off by emailing Dustin hmm. at rockin'thatidealife.com and tell him Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. And by Center Ice Brewery, St. Louis's hockey-themed brewery. Visit centericebrewery.com today to schedule a no-contact curbside pickup or to make a reservation in their tap room located at 3126 Olive Street in Midtown St. Louis. It's one of the best places to watch a blues game. That's centericebrewery.com. Please drink responsibly. That'll wrap up episode 21 of season 10 of the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. Thanks for listening, and thanks to those who participated in the YouTube and Facebook live chats during the live show. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we've been bringing it to you. For Jeff Ponder and Bill Day, I'm Kurt Price. Thank you again, Kevin Woodley, for joining the show. It was fantastic. Until next time, everyone, let's go Rams. No, what the? I was going to no. say, let's go. Uh, I was, dude, I had my, at the last, what? <laughs> at the last dude. second, at the last dude. second, I said, oh, I'm going to say beat LA. And I, I said, let's go Rams. I'm like, what? That sounded so oh. dirty coming out of my mouth. I feel, I could wash my mouth. That was so, that oh. was awful. That felt, I don't, you can't felt, be a part of this show anymore. That felt right. bad saying that. When it came out of my mouth, I literally felt like I felt sick. That was awful. Uh, Kevin Woodley Kurt. is now the new host of Let's Go Blues Radio. Kurt Price has been sent down to Blues Fan Report. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I refuse. I refuse the assignment. Oh, God. I'm so disappointed with you. I've never been this mad at you. It was a slip of the tongue. I was, I was going to say beat LA. So let's start all over. Let's go Blues. Beat LA. Let's go Bengals. Let's go Bengals. Kurt Price does not speak for me. And let's go Blues. Don't look at me. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers.
I want you to have a heart attack and die so that we never have to do this shit again. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry.